This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you alongside the CTO, Michael Remus. Uh, Great to have you with us in a big show today. We're looking forward to welcoming in Winnipeg Blue Bombers starting quarterback, Zach Caleros. And kind of thought that the CFL might be top billing today, but big news with the Winnipeg Jets. Neil Pionk has re-signed with the club for four years. We'll get into that in just a minute. And Murata Tesh is going to join us. We'll talk about, you know, get his thoughts on the Pionk contract and what this means for the Jets' salary cap right now. And obviously the one remaining RFA for with the Winnipeg Jets in Andrew Kopp, who's got an arbitration date scheduled for the 26th of August. As always, we're brought to you by our great family of sponsors, including Canadian Club Whiskey, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Speaking of Cool Bet, just finished up in the last half hour or so this week's edition of The Lock Shop. If you're not already uh, subscribed or you're listening on the podcast, you want some fun betting content that I'm doing with Dustin Nielsen out in Edmonton, just uh, search Lock Shop on uh, wherever you're getting the podcast from and check that out on a weekly basis. We'll get back to two times a week come September to both hit the CFL earlier in the week and a full slate of NFL games heading into uh, into the weekend. All right, let's get Michael Remus in here. Um, Remo, big news today on the Winnipeg Jets front. Kevin Sheveldayoff does it again. The summer of Chevy continues. Neil Pionk signed at under $6 million, albeit for a four-year term. You know, very interesting. I think the number makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at the cash thrown around for top defensemen. And Neil Pionk has been the Jets' top defenseman for the last couple of years since coming over from the New York Rangers. So I think there's some great value on this for the club based on the market right now. Um, you know, it's nice that you get a few of those uh, UFA years, but at the same time, it, it didn't seem like they had the ability maybe to stretch it into a six or seven year deal. So I think four is great for the player, excellent for the team, and it really does focus in on this window for the Winnipeg Jets with the likes of Shifley and Connor Hellebuck signed, um, and of course Blake Wheeler's contract as well, that um, that this is the time that they will be going for it, and uh, Neil Pionk will be a part of it. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, thank you for having me on. As always, happy to be here. And, you know, you look at the at the deal – you know, I think we were talking about the money, looking at some of what some of these other defensemen have signed for. You thought he was for sure getting closer to $7 million to be co- And then you look at, you know, the Jets' hierarchy of contracts. Morrissey's around $6.3 million. You thought, okay, Pionk's been the number one guy. At least, you know, he definitely was last year. He's the top performer. You know, you would think that they like to go by their hierarchy. Maybe they would give him more than Josh Morrissey, but to come in under $6 million for four years, I think that's a really nice... Really nice value for uh, the player and the team. And you talk about the window to win. You look at the Jets cap space now. You have, I mean, it's really the next three years because you have a number of players signed for three or four more years. Wheeler's got three years. Shafley's got three years. Ehlers has four. Lowry, he's got five. But under under de- the defense is set for the next, you know, three or four years. Uh, DeMello and Dylan got three years and Pionk and Schmidt have four years. And the Morrissey's got... Uh, he's got a long, a long one, six point two five million. 
And he was actually on, I don't know if you read Dom in The Athletic, but he was on Dom's worst contract in the NHL. But I think we can all are hoping for a bounce back for Morsi. Oh yeah, Hellbuck, three more years. So the Jets have their, they have a core group right now settled in for three to four years. And it's going to be up to them to find now value contracts, you know, to, uh, you know, so you can fit everyone in under the salary, uh, salary cap. Because now that Pianca signed, your next thought is, okay, what's Andrew Kopp going to get? When's his next deal? Because his arbitration date is the 26th. And I've joked, the main event of, uh, of arbitration. <laughs> I want to do a little uh, well, Hopefully buffer. it's not the main event. Hopefully that match is canceled. And, um, yeah. you know, we'll... <laughs> that doesn't make weight. <laughs> exactly. For some reason, they don't end up getting there. Um, but I think it was important. It, it, you never want to go to arbitration with a player. And, you know, Neil Pionk came here in sort of interesting circumstances. We all know the background before Jacob Trouba was finally traded and the fact that the Winnipeg Jets were really sort of, you know, cornered into, you know, one team legitimately that, you know, would re-sign, that, that the player was willing to re-sign with. And... You know, there was all sorts of terrible takes on Neil Pionk when he was acquired by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. We won't go through right, the receipts. Right here. <laughs> right there. I said, I remember saying, oh, this, is a, this isn't a trade that you do if you're trying to win right now. This isn't a trade. <laughs> and I ripped the trade. But then I saw, you know, the analytics guys, Dom and uh, Jay Fresh on Twitter, posting, you know, his his stats card. Uh, and they gave credit to the Jets saying, hey, look, they saw this guy who did not have great numbers in New York. And I don't know if they developed him or they saw something they needed to unlock or needed to get away from the Rangers. But he's flourished here into a, uh, what, it's, you know, second pair, top pair D. Uh, and I think, yeah, a great work by the Jets. You know, you can't, you get him for Truba, who wasn't going to sign long term. And you get Billy Hainala. And I know it was the Jets pick to begin with. We can debate that that later. But, I mean, you got two players for one. And I, I think this trade is a definite win uh, for Shevel Dayoff. And I don't know if he's going to be up for GM of the year, but I mean, the, we'll see how this goes with the cop. But I think he's GM himself, of the summer. He's GM of the summer. I mean, yeah. we can we can look. Can we get a banner for that, too? I mean, let's uh, let's put, you know, we've already had offseason champs. <laughs> Maybe we put that up. Okay. Uh, but this was huge for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you know, the, with all of the excitement about the additions of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, Neil Pionk was an absolutely key member of this team. And, you know, you wanted to have some certainty that he was going to be here going forward. And and frankly, I think not having to go through this again in a year or two, you know, on another short-term deal that, you know, would end with the potential hammer of arbitration. So, uh, listen, I, the Jets have done such a good job with some of these extensions, uh, uh, especially in the current climate with the money that's been given out to top defensemen. And Neil Pionk has been that for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, one could argue that his, and I know we'll get into this with Marat coming up in a few minutes. One could argue that Neil Pionk, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, losing power play time. I mean, for the most part, he wasn't the quarterback of the number one power play, although I've argued many times that I thought that he should have been. Um, and 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 just back to Dom's comment on Morrissey's being one of the worst contracts in the league. Um, I, I think that'll look like a pretty bad take in a year because much like Neil Pionk, and maybe we'll give more credit to Pionk for, especially in the second half of the season, I think more or less carrying Derek Forbert at times. Um, you know, you could say the same thing about Josh Morrissey. I mean, who never really got in a chance to play with Dylan DeMello until the final couple of games of the regular season and the first round against the Edmonton Oilers. So, I mean, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, Josh Morrissey didn't have a down year and, you know, has had a tough couple of seasons. 
but I'm certainly not out on Morrissey like a few fans are. Um, and certainly, as I said, I think that things will look a heck of a lot different with the additions of Schmidt and Brendan Dillon in the top four. And I think that's only going to be good news for Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk. So, um, you know, it's pretty amazing, Remus. Two, what, three weeks ago, we were talking about the potential of losing Dylan DeMello in the expansion draft and did not have Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt. I mean, if you had told, if, if a Jets fan had gone into a coma for a month and woke up today realizing that Pionk's on the books for four more years and Dylan and Schmidt are here. I mean, it really is night and day. And the entire narrative around the Jet Blue Line has gone from it being something that was somewhat of an Achilles heel over the last couple of seasons to something that I think right now, when you look at them one to six, not to mention the guys that can move into the lineup if there's injuries, a strength of the hockey team. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I do agree with you on Morrissey, Huss. I mean, I think uh, you look at his D partners, he hasn't been really paired um, you know, been put in a position to have a lot of success, you know, i.e. being paired with Dylan DeMello, which we saw in the playoffs have a lot of success stopping, uh, playing against, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid. So I'm willing to, you know, on any player I'm willing to throw out last year, odd season, you know, things are coming back and we'll see how it goes, goes next year. As far as, um, the Jets events, I mean, this is why Chevy is the GM of the summer. Um, he saw, I mean, everyone saw the Jets' needs. They needed to add defensemen, and they went and addressed it. And not only did they address it for um, this upcoming year, you got a couple more seats. You got three seasons of Dylan, and you got four more seasons of Schmidt. So the Jets' defense is set. And then you have these young prospects, Stanley, uh, who's probably going to have that last spot, uh, but Sandberg and Hanela, who we, we've heard are ready for a while. They'll be playing in Winnipeg with the Moose. And if someone gets hurt, you know, you can plug plug those guys in. I think if Hainala, sorry, if like Schmidt or if Schmidt or, sorry, uh, Morrissey, Pion get hurt, you bring in Hainala. Uh, just going by ice hockey, you know, small to medium D. And, <laughs> yeah, the and, Nintendo theory. Yeah, the Nintendo <laughs> ice hockey theory. And if you're taking your large, if your big guy comes out in uh, <laughs> Dylan, then may, or, or Stanley, then you maybe throw in uh, Sandberg and move up Stanley. We'll and see. I think the Jets are in a bit of a, bit of rough waters here navigating the salary cap as we move forward but uh i think that's that's fine the most of their team is so you just have to find pieces at low salary to augment it so they're going with you know you're going with the the low cost backup goalie you know projecting the low cost you know uh, defenseman well that's why you know the hanala contract is very valuable stanley valuable uh Sandberg again if he goes in well and and Reem those are all great assets for the Jets I mean let's Mm -hmm. face it this team I think you know based on what we've seen management do this summer has correctly identified that they have a window with this core based on the contracts that are signed you know if, if to they expect that now is the time that they compete with the best they can compete with the best in the National Hockey League and put their best foot forward and try and win the cup and if you're doing that, often you're looking to make a big impact acquisition at the trade deadline. And if the Winnipeg Jets are healthy on the blue line and that top six is getting the job done and the team's winning games, you know, it, there's two things. It is problematic for the young players without a spot to get into the lineup, but they're also very, very valuable assets when it comes to trade value, especially at the deadline. So, I mean, I know we'd all love to see these guys all, you know, be drafted and developed and flourish into Winnipeg Jets, 
But if you look at the big picture and what it might take to truly compete for a cup, it might mean one of those players is a very valuable asset to get you an impact player that can come in at the trade deadline and hopefully put you over the top. So um, the fact that Pionk has signed for four years, I think first takes off the biggest concern. What is his salary going to be? He'll be part of that group going forward. And of course, now Remus really, as we touched about, what is going to be very, very interesting is seeing how things end up playing out with Andrew Kopp. I mean, the Jets basically have right around $4 million to sign him. Um, I believe the exact number, if I'm correct, is about 3.95. Now, there is the potential that Nate Bolio has moved or waived, and that might save him about half a million bucks. Uh, but again, I mean, if Andrew Kopp is looking for a long-term deal at $5 bucks, it doesn't seem like that is possible right now. Um, and you do run the risk of potentially going to arbitration again, which I don't think anybody wants. Um, you know, part of me thinks that there could be a one-year deal. Maybe they just agree on a one-year deal. They don't go through it all. And then, you know, Cop is incredibly motivated to have another career season going into unrestricted free agency. The other possibility is that, you know, potentially they, you know, do trade Andrew Cop um, and recoup some assets and maybe another player that can play a similar role at some point in the bottom six. But I really do think that Andrew Kopp's importance to this hockey club, his versatility, I don't think that they want to lose him, especially for this year. And, you know, at some point you do lose players due to free agency and they do walk. And, you know, you don't like to do it, you know, from an asset management standpoint, you'd always like to capitalize and get the maximum value. But there certainly is an argument to be made that the best value for the Winnipeg Jets might be getting Andrew Kopp with one year left of team control on a relatively team-friendly one-year deal, and he can go out and earn his next contract as unrestricted free agent, albeit might not be here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I I agree with you. And maybe you go by what's happened in the past, um, where they went to arbitration and you know weren't able to work things out before the deadline. And they say, you know what, it's going to be tough for us to work out a long-term deal with this guy, but we need him to try to make a push this year. We're going in to win. And instead of, you know, trading a first-rounder at the deadline for a player who can help you, you just, you know, sign Andrew Kopp to like a four, you know, whatever the max, you can, you know, a little over $4 million contract, and he can help you. He can play on the penalty kill. He can play all three uh, forward positions. I mean, he's a great asset to have, and sometimes you got to say, you know what, we, we did our best. Uh, we tried, but... This is uh, we still need this guy for this year, and we don't have him for the next couple seasons. That's well, that's okay. You maybe you bring in, uh, you know, Perfetti even this season. We'll see about uh, Chaz Lucius. I mean, we'll be hearing about his name the next couple of years. That would, that would be down the road. But um, I think Cobb, very versatile player, and seems like by who you know who he's represented by and how it's gone in the past, he's looking for a big payday, and it's pretty clear right now uh, he's probably not going to get what he wants uh, from the Jets. Based on yeah. based on how much salary cap they have available, we're gonna we're gonna hit all of this coming up in just a minute with our good friend Murata Tesh of the Athletic. Uh, before we do that, uh, if you missed the last couple shows, we've got a great new sponsor, Canadian Club, and uh, of course the entire Beam Suntory team um, taking over Blue Bomber games with a cold CC. We've got the Jim Beam Stillhouse, the Brugal Rum Hut. The place will be rocking on Friday, and I can tell you, I will tease this. Uh, we have an absolutely unbelievable prize from Canadian Club, a very, very special uh, Canadian Club product that we are going to do a contest. We're going to figure this out over the next couple of days. It's a good enough thing that we don't want to just do it one day and bang off a marble race and give it away. So we'll let you know next week about that. I am, though, planning 
on Friday's show. We will probably have another prize, so make sure you're sticking around on the YouTube chat live with us on Friday afternoon to get in on that. Um, but again, Canadian Club, 1858, best in the biz. If you're over beer, try a CC today. Um, Royal Sports, we talked a lot about all the Canada women's stuff. And by the way, well, I'll let you know in a second, a couple huge guests coming up this week before the end of the week. And one uh, will be wearing a gold medal, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, we showed you yesterday all the great Canadian soccer gear that is at Royal Sports right now for everyone that's dying to get their hands on the red and white in the aftermath of the big women's victory in Tokyo. Um, but it's more than just soccer gear. They've got it from all around the world. NHL gear, you can safely go get your Neil Pionk jersey knowing that he signed for four years. Not to mention a great selection of bomber gear and hockey, soccer, baseball, fitness, camping, bikes. They have it all. Royal Sports, 650 Rally and EK, and the Superstore, along with King Skate, Snow, and Surf at 750 Pembina Highway. And a big shout out to our pal Nick and Nikki from the Nick and Nikki DQ group. You know them well. DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, the DQ at Polo Park, and the DQ on St. Anne's. They've been with us since day one. Incredible sponsors. And I know many of our listeners and viewers have had a great time supporting Nick and Nikki because it's, well, it's the best. Uh, blizzards, ice cream cakes, of course, chicken fries, and unbelievable burgers. Pop down today. Visit Nick and Nikki at any of the four locations and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. If you didn't need to order a cake, follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You'll see all the products that they've done. Hit them up and they'll have it ready waiting for you at the location of your choice. All right, let's talk some hockey. Big news today for the Winnipeg Jets. We have the answers to how things work out with Neil Pionk. It's a four-year deal at just south of $6 million per season. And to talk about it, not... In his home today, no bass guitar in the background, live on location out east. Thanks so much to Murata Tesh for joining us. What's going on, pal? Hey, Hustler. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I mean, I, I, I don't have a bass guitar in the background, but I have a comfy park here in Montreal with my mom, my niece, my nephew. We're living large here. Death are all business. We're keeping it casual over here right now. Well, that is fantastic. All the bet. Your mom, a, a huge, I mean, there's just got a lot of Jet fans as well, and certainly ours as well. So please give her our best from the Winnipeg Sports Talk gang and everybody in the chat and the entire family. That's wonderful honored. to hear. So and, 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 you know, even more appreciative that you're joining us today and taking a little bit of uh, time out of your family time to join us. But uh, big, big day. Let me ask you right off the bat, what was your reaction when you saw the report that Neil Pionk was signed four years at an AAV of uh, less than $6 million. Yeah, for me, this is right in line with the expectations, if maybe a little bit team-friendly for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I believed that Neil Pionk was leaning towards a long-term deal. I was projecting long-term the entire way. My projection had it at roughly $6.0 million. That's the kind of cap number we were dealing with. But, I mean, Huss, like, he had the argument that you know he's played top four minutes these last two seasons. He's been Winnipeg's best defenseman these past two seasons, got the power play time, put the point production together. I mean, he had that 6.25 figure that Josh Morrissey makes, as perhaps. And I think that he left maybe a little bit of money on the table, which makes everything better for the rest of the Winnipeg Jets teammates, Andrew Cobb, everybody else who's looking to see where the pieces fall at this stage. You know, I, I found it really interesting because I thought the money, I, I agree with you. I mean, I was expecting this number to be in excess of $6 million. Um, 
But I think that the term of this deal is perfect for both the team and the player. I mean, realistically, with the deals that we've seen and the production that Neil Pionk's had as a Winnipeg Jet in two seasons, if you're expecting to get him at six or seven or eight years, um, that number was going to be well north of six million, I think, when you're buying that many years of unrestricted free agency. But considering the window of the team, the other contracts that this team has, it puts Neil Pionk, a Winnipeg Jet, right through this window with the Hellebuck and the Shifley deals and the Ehlers and the other guys that are signed and gives them a chance to do it and still maintain some semblance of order within the within the team salary cap control. So and then for Neil Pionk's um, his standpoint, you know, he's with the team. He obviously likes being here. Um, he'll be here for four years. He gives up a couple years of unrestricted free agency, uh, but still, you know, will be sub 30, I believe, by the time this has an opportunity to sign another deal. Yeah, it's a great situation. I think the timing is really important for you to key in on there with a four year deal and a July birthday. I think he'll be 29 and almost 30 the moment his next contract comes about. So from Winnipeg's perspective, you get the heart of this player's player who career took off in the city with the Jets getting the opportunity that he did if you're Neil Pionk and presumably what you do is you make it through all this salary cap uncertainty right I mean if you look at the structure of his contract he's making less money this year because so much of it's going into escrow and then years two three four he makes more strictly in a dollar sense and that's because of the realities of the pandemic affecting the NHL the salary cap and likewise if you're Neil Pionk, you're 29 hitting 30, you just had more top four opportunity, you put together the career that you imagined that you would in Winnipeg, well, that next contract's in a really good spot as well. And the Jets are loaded now after two series, two seasons. So much roster instability, especially on the back end. And now we can look ahead to Morrissey at term, Pionk at term, Dylan at term, Nate Schmidt at term. This team is doing everything it can to win while the horses are still here and still performing like Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, Connor Hellebuck, and everything on down the line. And, you know, and when we look at Pionk's numbers, I mean, like, you know, point production-wise, he has been clearly the top dog on the Winnipeg Jets. And you mentioned power play time, but, I mean, I remember, you know, numerous times, both on the old station and after we started doing Winnipeg Sports Talk, talking about the fact that I would make an argument that Neil Pionk probably should have been more often out there first as the quarterback of the number one power play. In some ways, I think the Jets almost slow played Neil Pionk when it comes to his opportunities because, um, listen, when that number two unit, as we called it, was out there, I mean, I think, I mean, you'd be able to tell me better. They were as productive as the top unit was, and Neil Pionk was a huge part of that, albeit when you maybe put out total minutes, uh, it wasn't quite up to the top of that number one unit, which had Morrissey on it for most of the year. Absolutely, especially this most recent season, right? Because when there was still a Patrick Lanning online on unit one, let's say, and Neil Pionk was making those feeds across, there was, I think, warranted criticism for the pace at which those passes came. You know, there was criticism outside the organization. I think they were kind of looking at it internally as well. You know, what's the best option to, to set up Patrick Lanning in that situation? But Pionk was doing it well enough, putting the, getting the puck through on his own shots well enough, put together a tremendous amount of points. I think this season, the one that just happened, was tailor-made for Pyong's skill set because he doesn't necessarily have a cannon, though he shoots it pretty well. He wasn't firing those one-time passes to Patrick Lyon like laser beam. But what he does exceptionally well is he gets the puck through traffic. We always say that about defensemen. I think the narrative got a little bit far on, on many defensemen who shoot a lot depending on what's happening. With Neil Pionk, I think there's a genuine gift, and the data would seem to bear that out. 
he can float a puck in for a deflection or for a rebound with consistency. And I think that the way the Winnipeg Jets run their power play now without a single bomb in, in, in line A or Shifley or even Bufflin in that sort of situation, well, a player with that skill set, I think that's his opportunity. Or maybe Nate Schmitz. I mean, that's where it gets a little bit interesting if you start to project into the future. Yeah, and I mean, the fact of the matter is we know that he can do it. If there's a better guy to do it, that's a great problem to have as a coach. Um, you know, if a guy is not working, you can switch it up. I mean, I, I think it's going to be about production right now. I mean, I've often joked with Remus that the Jets in the past have sort of operated like a union shop where there were certain guys that, you know, had the seniority and they were always getting into that role. I have a feeling that, you know, with the expectations and the goals for this team this year, um, I think top to bottom, you know, including the forwards, but especially on the blue line, you know, Maurice is going to have the opportunity of having a number of options of guys that are all sort of in the same salary range, the same expectations, and put forth the lineup that, you know, he believes gives him the best chance to win every night or win a particular situation. And if it's not going for the first time in a long time, some legitimate op- uh, legitimate options to switch it up. Yeah, imagine Josh Morrissey not going well one night. Well, hey, you can play Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk instead, make them the heavy lifters. Or if Neil Pionk has an off night, which he hasn't had too many of, and that's why he's getting this big raise, well, then maybe you're looking at Josh Morrissey and Nate Schmidt. And if they're not going well, I mean, that third pairing of, of Logan Stanley and I, and pres- presumably Dylan DeMello, as I have it lined up, I mean, that's they can make hay especially from a third pairing sort of situation as well. And I like that. I mean, Winnipeg doesn't have a presumable Norris Trophy winner or favorite on that blue line. You know, you're not looking at it that way. But if you look um, in terms of its number one to six, even seven, if you see Nathan Beaulieu uh, out there, everybody's in a slot where they can handle it and they can perform. And for the first time in years since the Dustin Bufflin era of Winnipeg, all of the problems are good problems on Winnipeg's back end. Finding minutes for the right players at the right times. You know, um, just before we get to the Andrew Kopp situation, which is the natural progression in all of this, the final domino to fall, I want to ask you, Marat, about the the blue line and how you see... Well, if if, if you had to predict who's going to be together in those pairings uh, for game number one, how do you see that playing? And, you know, Remus brought up, Dom LeCision had an interesting piece on the best value contracts, and then he had something on the worst contracts and had Josh Morrissey's name in there. And I, I, I'm... I guess, I, well, I said this earlier on the show, you probably missed it coming on, but I really believe that, well, hopefully that will look like a cold take in about a year. Um, I, I guess the question for you is, in addition to where you think Morrissey and Pionk will start and who they'll be playing with, how beneficial will it for Josh Morrissey to, for the first time in a couple seasons, have a partner that you know can be carrying a pair in the top four, regardless of who he's with? Yeah, I mean... Before I get into it, I think the most important thing, especially if you like looking at these projections, right? If you like the charts, if you like all this analysis, especially like what Dom puts together, there's a really important differentiation to make between quality of teammates and quality of competition. So with the Winnipeg Jets blue line, the way they run their bench, the quality of competition players these guys play against is pretty similar on the top two pairs. It falls off in a major way on the third pair. So you can say, yeah, Logan... Stanley was sheltered last season, played phenomenally given his third pair role, but there's a difference in what Josh Morrissey and what Neil Pionk were going up against. When you're looking at the end of year results and you're looking at the analytics and wondering, well, does that top competition affect these guys' results? Of course it does. 
What affects it even more, disproportionately more, is quality of teammates, who they're playing with. So Josh Morrissey's had a tough slog these past two seasons, playing the same top competition he's always played, but with a rotating cast of defensemen. Tucker Pullman, I mean, I like this guy quite a bit, especially as a third-pairing defenseman. But as a top-pairing matchup guy, I don't think that he was able to keep up in, in certain ways. So if you look at this analytical output that says Josh Morrissey has not been a good defense the last few seasons, I think part of that context says or needs to include that he's had a really tough go of it in terms of not only the minutes he's played against, which is significant, but the minutes of the teammates that he's played with. And there have been young players and experienced players, etc. So my end conclusion on that is I think that Josh Morrissey does have another place to go in his game. I mean, he's not immune from it himself. It's just that um, if a model is going to guess wrong on a player right now, he might be one of those players that gets a little bit unfairly treated by how poor the results have been when he's on the ice. That said, who do you play him with? How do you find a good situation for him? I honestly think either of Neil Pionk or Nate Schmidt would be phenomenal partners. And we've seen Dylan DeMello being his best partner in terms of the analytics these past two years as well. I don't think there's such thing as a rough landing spot for Josh Morrissey, whether it's Morrissey-Schmidt, Dylan Pionk, and then you sort out your third pairing. Or, I mean, Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dylan also, there's a lot of reasons kind of on paper why you'd think that that would be a tremendous partnership where Dylan's a stay-at-home guy and Nate Schmidt's a little bit more of what uh, they call a riverboat gambler as well. These are good problems. There are good situations for all six of these guys, not just for the end. All right, Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us here. A great piece, kind of a, a you know piece that the staff put together today on the Pionk signing, as well as a very interesting uh, convo with Brendan Dillon. We'll ask about that at the end, but let's get to Andrew Kopp because, um, well, I guess before we even get to Kopp, Murat, what does the signing today do to the Jets' salary cap? And how much money do they even have right now, considering they need to fill the roster to sign Andrew Kopp, even if they wanted to give him everything that he wanted? Yeah, that's the number one question of the day. It's almost a bit unkind to Pionk, who we should be celebrating for his performance. But number one after his signing is what becomes of the Winnipeg Jets' salary cap. And we've laid out the projections at The Athletic. We've been looking at this for a couple of weeks. And... What we're looking at right now is roughly 3.9 million, most of four left. And what that does, because you can go to Cap Friendly, you can go to Bugpedia and play with it yourself. What this assumes is 13 forwards, seven defensemen, and two goaltenders. It, it assumes that your end of the roster players' contracts make up your mind in some cases. 725K Jansen Harkins, that's the fourth liner. 750K Dominic Toninato, that's a fourth liner. I think that. You know, a player like Luke Johnson or otherwise who makes minimum 750K, that's a 13th forward type situation in this. Eric Comrie, backup job, his contracts will determine so much of this because they make so little league minimum salaries that that makes the maximum amount of space that we have left. That's why, you know, a lot of folks are asking on Twitter right now, well, isn't there a way to get more than 3.9, more than $4.0 million to, to sign uh, Andrew Kopp? It would take moving somebody. It would take... Um, you know, waving Nathan Beaulieu. It would take a trade of... And we're really looking at a situation where if the Jets do run 13 forwards, seven defensemen, and two goaltenders, you know, we're coming at 3.9, 4.0 million. And that's not a fair assessment of what Andrew Kopp is worth. So therein lies the rub. That's why everybody's going to look at these next couple of weeks with some consternation. 
you know, the, 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 the conversation and the narrative around Winnipeg is that, you know, they would look to try to do a long-term deal. And we've all been speculating on what that number would be. And that's really based on, you know, I think Andrew Kopp's importance to the club and what the team has always tried to do in the past. And then sort of, well, if that doesn't happen, they will trade him. I'm more and more thinking, Marat, that there is a legitimate potential that Andrew Kopp is here on a one-year deal this season. And I think both parties would like to avoid going to arbitration again. But if they realize that the money's not there for the long-term deal, they do want to have him play. They don't want to go through the nonsense of picking apart each one. They figure out a one-year deal. And then you've got Andrew Kopp coming into a situation where he's playing for another contract. He's looking to have another career year, be incredibly motivated. And, you know, at some point you just realize that you can't sign a guy, but the value to add to the Winnipeg Jets to have Andrew Kopp, even for one more season, playing for a new contract might be better than the value you get than selling on him right now and not having him for this season when I think they legitimately feel they can contend. I think that there's a lot of reasons, you know, that you just laid out why that's a viable opportunity. The one thing you can't do without further moves is sign him to big money, big term, right? So if you're buying multiple years of Andrew Kopp's free agency and he's eligible for unrestricted free agency next summer, just like you said, that's not doable without roster surgery. And to your point, the whole purpose of all of these additions, Dylan Schmidt, bringing back Paul Stastny, um, all of this is about the Jets winning now. While Blake Wheeler is still a top six forward, Connor Hellebuck is still one of the very few best goaltenders on the planet. All of this is about now. And so could you look at uh, Andrew Kopp on a short-term deal? Maybe it's a one- or a two-year deal that they sign aside from arbitration. Maybe it's they go to arbitration and that sets the price. It could be an opportunity, given all of these difficult circumstances cap-wise, for both parties to get most of what they want. Because Andrew Kopp believes in himself. If he goes to arbitration and uses that hammer, which he's elected for, and they're unable to sign uh, a long-term deal in advance, well, that's a guaranteed one-year deal that they can the, the unrestricted free agency. That's a bet on yourself. And I believe that Andrew Kopp believes in himself. Winnipeg treating him like an own team rental. I mean, they believe in him as well. And if he plays a third-line shutdown role, if the top six doesn't have room for him this year, plays with Adam Lowry, gives Paul Maurice that checking line he adores, they match him up just that way. Well, maybe his point totals this season aren't that 56-point pace that he put together this year. And maybe he's a more affordable signing, even for the Winnipeg Jets next summer, than, than right at this exact moment. If not, he gets unrestricted free agency during you know a, a really high peak of his career. And maybe that's big time money and dollars somewhere else as well. It's tough to imagine a situation where uh, where a player or a team loses because he's a good player that the team values. No, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's just the opportunity cost of, you know, recouping assets or making some sort of a move so you don't get nothing for him. And I mean, I understand that line of thinking, but it's a little, it, you know, it changes depending on where you are in your ability to compete. And, you know, we've seen this team trade first round picks for players to come in at the trade deadline and essentially, you know, compete going into the playoffs. So, you know, when you think about the cost to get players like that, knowing that Andrew Kopp's already on your team, um, you know, I, the more and more I think about it, I, I, I think that that might be the end conclusion of where we end up. And from Kopp's perspective, you know, I'm sure he'd love the security of, you know, the money that he feels he deserves and has that long-term deal, but realizes that in the flat cap, it's just simply not available because of how things have shaken out. And I'll tell you what, to your point, I know he had a great season points wise. And even if the points aren't there, 
Maybe the best way to boost your value as an unrestricted free agent is be a dominant player in both ends in a nice long Stanley Cup playoff run. And um, that's the goal of everyone. And if that went for Andrew Kopp, it could actually work out as maybe the best case scenario for the next deal that he signs. Well, when does the myth-making begin in, in the NHL, right? It's when you go on those playoff runs. You look at Tampa Bay's depth players. You look at, you know, the rising status of Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson because of what Montreal's blue line was able to do, taking them to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, I think that the myth-making, the greatness legends, the the what establishes a legacy is the small sample that is the Stanley Cup playoff because it's the most important time of year. And... I mean, those players get paid. A depth player on a Stanley Cup champion, not saying that Winnipeg is, you know, a top three or five um, favorite to, to win the Cup necessarily, but a depth player on a Stanley Cup champion gets a contract premium. Success breeds success in terms of those contract dollars. And I mean, I guess what I'm doing is I'm nodding my head and I'm saying as much as I believed, perhaps in advance of the NHL draft, there was room for Andrew Kopp to be moved for futures, for multiple draft picks, all those sorts of things. The price was never right. Draft picks were hard to come by at that time. Um, this is a player that, from where we sit today, can only help the Winnipeg Jets. And if he helps the Winnipeg Jets, he can only help himself get paid next summer or this if, if they somehow find that squeeze. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm with you. Now, if the Jets still evaluated the situation and knowing how important it is for them to maintain their assets or get something for them, decide that, okay, we're going to make that trade at some point this summer. What are they looking to get back? What makes sense to get back? And I mean, you still have to worry about this salary cap number that, I mean, presumably maybe you get a pick and a, and a lesser player, but it, does that make you better? Does that give you a better chance to win this year? I'm not sure if a trade was made. Well, what do you think the Jets would be looking for? What would make sense for the team to actually pull the trigger and, you know, not suck it up and, you know, enjoy one more year of Andrew Kopp and take your chances next year on the open market? For me, my starting point is how I believe Paul Maurice will run his bench and, and try to get uh, his version of the most out of the Winnipeg Jets because we have a track record. We have a top six, you know, that involves sometimes multiple centers on the same line. We have that Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Mark Scheifele, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Paul Stastny, who are top six players in that mold. We know that the best team that Paul Maurice ever coached, the 2017-18 Winnipeg Jets, that were you know, in the final four and, and were a genuine Stanley Cup contender at that moment, involved a really strong usage of that checking line. So Andrew Kopp, the way that I, I have him sized up on the Winnipeg Jets, is with Adam Lowry on that third line, sometimes being bumped ahead if maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois struggles or what have you. But that's his wheelhouse. So... The, the best case scenario, if you're looking at the opportunity cost, especially when the defense is set and Connor Hellebuck is in goal, is a player that plays precisely his role, um, you know, perhaps not quite as well, maybe without the, without the offense, but who can really shut things down on that third line alongside Adam Lowry and just perhaps a player earlier on in his career that can do some of the same things for, for less money so that you can fit that underneath the cap. At the same time, and this... Because I can't find I can't find a reason why they're going to spend big money on a backup goaltender or big money on another defenseman. That said, it's really about forwards. I don't see room in the top six. It's got to be there. And that might be why it's safe to to move Andrew Kopp if his value is reduced to that third line sort of situation. Um, the opportunity cost is less than if Winnipeg played a more balanced top nine more frequently. The the other thing that I think of is is the Jets cap situation where with Brian Little certainly headed to long-term injured reserve, 
staying underneath the cap for a long period of time this year, it doesn't accrue anything. It doesn't build up anything. You can't turn that into big dollars at the trade deadline. It just is what it is. And that's another reason why, um, you know, Andrew Kopp may be, uh, I guess I'm going against myself here, but maybe safe uh, as, a, as a third line player, or a case for the own rental in, in this situation. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the more I think about it, and, you know, obviously we needed to learn a lot more. I mean, number one, what the Stanley deal was and what the Pionk was, but now that we have it and we realize, I mean, I'm not used to going to Cap Friendly and seeing a red zero in cap space beside the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, that will change when Brian when Brian Little gets put onto the LTIR. But the bottom line is there is not a lot of wiggle room right now with the club. And it would seem based on logical expectations from the cop camp on a long-term deal that as you mentioned, Barat, I mean, unless you're moving somebody else out to make that commitment, the numbers just simply don't work right now. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of, and so let's talk about options to, to move players out. If you waive Nathan Beaulieu and he's claimed, you can replace him with, you know, a league minimum defenseman, whether it's Nelson Noje in-house or somehow else, which saves approximately 500000 uh, off the, the cap. So suddenly, you know, Andrew Kopp's 3.9 might become... Um, 4.3, 4.4 kind of situation. If he passes through and makes it all the way to the AHL, the savings are less. Um, you know, I'm not imagining that the Winnipeg Jets are about to trade Dylan DeMello despite his contract value on the third pair. These kinds of deals I, I don't see. Um, are the Jets able to get a pickback for Nathan Beaulieu? And is that enough? So that's that's where I imagine. And it's not that big of a, sa- a safety valve. Like it used to be, you know, you always imagined maybe the Jets would move Matthew Perot. Every fan was like, okay, the Jets can add more salary here, but Matthew Perot's $4 million. Well, we'll get rid of that. Everything will be fine. There's no big ticket contract to get rid of that just makes everything work. So the only other thing I'm left with, and this happened in Winnipeg's favor, unfortunate for the player, but in Winnipeg's favor heading into this season, we were all anticipating Brian Little was going to LTIR. We didn't anticipate Dominic Toninato. And we know that he had a, um, you know, I, I believe it was long well, I won't speculate. I can't remember what this situation is with Dominic Toninato's illness, but he was unable to play to start the season. And if there is another player, unfortunate, and you don't wish this upon anyone, but who has you know something nagging or some operation to get done or something to do um, that allows Winnipeg to get a little bit more long-term injured reserve re- relief, there's a little bit more savings there that you could use for Andrew Kopp. Of course, that becomes a problem as soon as you want to bring that player back onto the team as well. So, I mean, we're talking about the nitty gritty because we're down, we're down to dollars, we're down to cents. That's the the amount of room left in Winnipeg uh, to make sure that Andrew Kopp is a Winnipeg Jet this season. Uh, Murat always seems to bring them out. Great to see so many people with us live today on YouTube. If you're new to the channel, welcome. Uh, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us on a daily basis. And if you would be so kind, hit that thumbs up button. We could certainly use the likes. Remo actually just threw in uh, the social links in the chat too. If you want to make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram. And for the folks that are listening on the podcast, any opportunity you get to give us a five-star rating and a little review certainly helps us grow the pod as well. Um, Marat, this has been a great conversation. I cannot have you on the program without plugging the very interesting and entertaining Q&A you had with Brendan Dillon. Uh, what was that like? Give people a little bit of an idea of what they'll see in The Athletic if they haven't read it already. I mean, you got to read this one. Brendan Dillon is a funny, entertaining, engaging man. 
Uh, he won points with me immediately by pronouncing my name correctly. I guess he had prepared himself for the interview. So, you know, he was calling me Marat with the proper A sound. And I was, I was thinking to myself, well, how did you do that? That was a good start. But it beyond that, I mean, we're laughing about, um, you know, his mom is his mom's charitable contributions. She was working with a quilting society to help out Humboldt, which is a really fascinating angle. On ice, we were talking about how he was a late bloomer. I mean, this guy was five foot two when he was passed over in the WHL draft. So he knows what it's like to be too small for the league, as well as to be a six foot four, 225 pound player who can bully players in the corners. And he reflected on that, what it's meant to his career, a blessing in disguise, and all the things that he was able to learn from that as well, in terms of, in using his words, becoming the best. Brendan Dillon that he can be and the best Winnipeg Jet that he can be. I think it's a good interview thanks to him and it's an exciting addition of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, you know, aside from the, um, you know, we've had the chance to hear from Nate Schmidt and we had a great one-on-one with Brendan Dillon here on the program a couple of weeks back after he signed. Uh, you know, as as much as I think everyone is excited to see what these guys can do on the ice, I, I really, I, I'm also genuinely, genuinely excited about what these guys bring to the makeup of the team and the dressing room and their characters there, especially considering how respected they are, the roles that they'll play, the fact that they were brought in from other teams. You know, that sort of a change and sort of a boost can help the team in a lot of ways more than just on the ice. Yeah, I think it's been a, a serious dressing room for the last little while, especially so you got some sirens in the background. I mean, We've got a serious dressing room, especially with the absence of Dustin Bufflin. And what I like the most about this, um, you know, good character additions of Schmidt, Dylan, um, Paul Stastny, I mean, bringing to be brought back, is there's this really nice confluence of, of phenomenal human beings who play well. We're talking about top six forwards and top four NHL defensemen so that, you know, they're not just some goofball in the corner of the room. They come with a tremendous amount of respect for what they do on the ice, off the ice, all these things as well. And I like that. I mean, for the Jets, but also for guys like you and me who talk to these guys who are just great to interview and, and a good time and engaging in all these sorts of situations. Marat, when are you back in the peg? What uh, What's on uh, the uh, tap for the rest of the uh, the weekend now that we're taking you from your family? Thanks again so much for doing this, by the way. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. I mean, I'll talk, talk with you. So, I mean, I got to write this up. We got to do the deep dive and set up the Andrew Cobb situation on paper, just like we did and, and show the numbers, show the charts, all those sorts of stuff, because that's obviously the next major domino to follow. See what other uh, interviews we can line up as well. Q&A style, we had Brandon Dillon and then, of course, Dylan DeMel with a great one last week talking about what it was like to be exposed. Um, but also, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off, I think, starting next week, uh, actually hang out with the family and uh, keep playing with niece and nephew. And I got to say, this is my last, I, I ramble for every, or at least I say a lot of words for every uh, response that I give you. There's a two-year-old, a trilingual two-year-old in Montreal somewhere who's playing these mini six passes on the tape, time in and time out. So, I mean, if, if anybody wants to get an early start on that story, just, uh, you know, I, I know it's Asian. Just saying. I can't wait for the prospect report coming up in The Athletic at some point very soon. Uh, hey, listen, Marat, give your mom our best and uh, the entire family. Thank you very much for doing this. And uh, we'll look forward to more of your great coverage of the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey League in The Athletic. And uh, we'll, of course, be following you on Twitter at WPG Marat and looking forward to uh, the notification that the next piece of Jets content is coming out. Thanks so much for doing this, buddy. Have a great time out there. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. There he is, the one and only Murat Atesh. Very popular with Jet fans and certainly popular in the chat. 
Um, just a real great conversation with Marat on the Neil Pionk signing today, what that means for the Winnipeg Jets, their cap situation going into the final domino of the summer. What happens with Andrew Kopp? Can they get a deal done before arbitration? That arbitration date is two weeks tomorrow, the 26th of August. All right, still to come on the program is Winnipeg Blue Bomber quarterback Zach Caleros. We'll have that coming up in just a couple minutes. Before we do that, do you want to thank one of our other newest sponsors, Paramount Services Limited, for jumping on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Paramount Services Limited, a full service a facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants, not just here in Manitoba, but in Western Canada, 24 hours a day, 365 days for over 28 years. Um, if you're needing kitchen or cooler supplies for a convenience store or restaurant, give anywhere in Western Canada, give our friend Carrie O'Brien a visit or on the website at Paramount Services LTD for more information. And in addition to be able to take all of your uh, care of all your needs if you're in the business, if you have HVAC uh, experience, plumbing, electrical, handiwork, they're always looking for qualified individuals. And uh, just so you know, uh, they're also members of the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 254. So if you're thinking about maybe a job change, looking for a great company and a great place to work, find out more about Paramount Services on the career page. You can go to our sponsor page, click their logo, and it'll take you right there. Or check them out online at Paramount Services LTD. Um, not Autocorp, they keep on rolling, man. Every day I see something come up on their Instagram page of another beautiful car going off the lot. If you are thinking about making a move and getting into the car of your dreams at a great price, why not do it with the Not team over at Waverly and McGilvery? And it's so much more than vehicle sales. They've got an incredible service department with Red Seal technicians. They'll detail it. And, uh, of course, the Car Lab coming up for those of you that like to uh, trick around modifications and all of that. There is one spot you need to go before you do anything when it comes to your vehicle, and that's Not Autocorp. Visit them at Waverly and McGilvery. Or check them out online at not.ca. And I mentioned yesterday, I was back at Boston Pizza. I've been at BP quite a bit lately. We had that great Blue Jays event uh, for the homecoming game two Fridays ago. Uh, and it was just from a personal level, it was so great to be back down at Boston Pizza City Place where we spent so many nights getting ready for Winnipeg Jet Games. Crystal and staff there always take such good care of us. And right now, the summer's here menu is uh, in full effect. The Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. And if you're getting out onto one of the Boston Pizza patios with some friends, you can bring the sunglasses and try the White Sangria Smash, the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl, the Galaxy Fish Bowl, or the Peachy Mojito Royale. Summer's here. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses optional at your local Boston Pizza. All right. Zach Calero's coming up. Let's get Michael Remus back in here uh, in a moment. And uh, oh, one other thing, speaking of Zach Calero's, very excited to have the Bomber quarterback coming up on the program. And Remo, while you join us, a great announcement coming up on Friday on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we will be welcoming in Winnipeg's gold medalist, Desiree Scott, from the Canadian Olympic gold medal winning women's soccer team. Uh, anyone that's been watching this program for the last few weeks uh, knows how emotionally invested I personally was in the event. And I think that sort of caught fire throughout the country going into the incredible gold medal win. And um 
it's going to be so much fun to have Des on it. So uh, make sure you're here on Friday. You can give her your well wishes when she joins us live on Friday's show. But uh, before we get to Zach Caleros, Remo, some great stuff with Marat. Um, you knew there'd be a lot of people interested in it. A big boost today with the people watching live. Uh, because Jets News brings people live to Winnipeg Sports Talk, and it was just great for Marat to take the time to join us from Montreal. Yes, uh, we did a good test before to make sure it worked from uh, the park he was at. He was concerned about outside noise. I had a good laugh at the end when the uh, fire engine went by, but uh, you could definitely hear him uh, loud and clear. Some people joked in chat that it was his hot uh, fire Jets takes. They had to call the fire department uh, to get him. He was just too uh, too nailing uh, what the Jets are trying to do. So uh, I think it's great, great signing for Pionk. But I think it, it, Marat's joke too. You know, we're talking about Pionk instead of talking about the Pionk signing. The next topic we're fast forwarding right away. Okay, what happens with Cop? How much do you fit him? And uh, what does it mean uh, for them? So, but as far as Pionk goes, I mean, you you mentioned um, that his. Power play stats were better than Morrissey's. And it's well, interesting to me, you look at, you know, the just rate stats per minute. I mean, Morrissey, not Morrissey, Pionk and Ehlers, much more efficient on the power play than the morrissey Shafley wheeler um, Connor combo. Do they try to mix things up this year and get Ehlers more ice time? I tweeted yesterday that uh, they should definitely try, and a lot of people were in agreement. I'd like to see Ehlers, uh, Pionk, PP1, or does Nate Schmidt now make an impact uh, on the power plays? Well, those are some things I think we're going to be watching. But I mean, Ehlers, I was looking at his stats yesterday. Us, I know I'm kind of going off topic here, but he had like one less point than Shifley in like in Shifley in uh, like half as many minutes. So, you know, I would like to see him get some more power play time but uh well that, that's another topic i think for another, it, it is another but day. you know what i kind of referred to that with marat and you know i really do think that you know and i joke about the place was a union shop and it was always the veterans that were going on and you know there's a little bit of truth to that i mean coach paul maurice and many coaches do have their tendencies but you know we've seen it before at other times where this team was on the precipice of you know winning or in the playoffs where you know he would ride the guys that are working i just think that with the goals that this team is going to have after what kevin shoveldayoff's done this offseason you know i think that playing time power play all of those things are going to be more up for grabs and there'll be a more competitive nature and i think that's only going to be good for the hockey team going forward and if it is an open competition as you just mentioned remo it's going to be pretty damn hard to keep 27 off that top unit and maybe even off the top line depending on how the ice time is doled out by the coach yeah i agree it's pretty clear that he is uh, an elite player and it's time for him to get um you know those elite power play one minutes and some more top flight minutes. So I think that's something something to watch going forward. And, you know, hey, if you can get him a discount uh, in your fantasy draft, I think he's primed for yet another. It seems like he's breaking out every year. But, I mean, with increased ice time, you'd think comes increased uh, production for him. So I think that's something to watch as we hit training camp. What are the lines going to be? I think that's at least a, a month away, a month away from that. <laughs> Bravo, Bri. Pionk should be our PP1 D-man on the rear right rear corner. Fight me if you disagree. No one wants to mess with Bravo Bry. Yeah. That is what for about sure. um, Pionk Buster Parfaits? Is DQ going to come out with those? <laughs> someone, someone wrote that Nick's in chat. Listening. That's that's outstanding. I will pass that on. I will pass that on to Nick and Nikki and see what they can do. Andrew Holeko in the chat says the Jets need to move Nico seven hundred and fifty to get close to paying Cop what he's worth. Here's the issue, Andrew. 
Um, if you move Niku, you still need another player, assuming that he's on the roster, filling out the roster at league minimum salary. So if you're moving a player at minimum, I mean, you're not just going to have an empty spot on the roster. You will have a player there. So it doesn't really help you very much. I mean, uh, Nate Beaulieu is the one guy with the 1.25 million. If you moved him and had that spot taken up by like a Sammy Niku at 750K, you've got 500 grand of savings. If you can move the contract, that remains to be seen. So that certainly is an option. Um, but honestly, and Rima, I don't know where you're at with now with this after the conversation with Marat, but the more I think about this after seeing the Neil Pionk uh, contract, uh, I'm less thinking that Andrew Kopp will be traded, but I'm also less thinking that there will be any sort of a long-term deal. And he could be sort of the one guy that unfortunately gets squeezed into a one-year deal playing for another contract that might not be with the Winnipeg Jets next season. Yeah, we'll have to win. I mean, he did have a career year last year. You'd think he'd want to capitalize but it's pretty clear right now the Jets don't have the room um, to pay him. So do they give him a one-year deal and then let him walk? Or does he want to take a long-term? I saw people in chat saying, oh, Coppa retweeted about the Pionk signing. What does that mean? What do, what can we take from Andrew Cobb retweeting <laughs> that his teammate signed a deal? Does it mean that Cop says, uh, where's the money for me? Does it mean that he's pumped about the future of the team? So many things we has that we can try to infer from Andrew Cobb's retweet. I don't know where you stand on this one. <laughs> I'll have to do more investigation just to retweet. Well, uh, I, I would take it that uh, he's happy for his teammate, that he got the deal, and now he wants a deal too, and he wants to get back and go to work. And it's, and who knows? I mean, it's a one-year deal that's on the table for potential arbitration. Um, you know, maybe they can work out at like a two-year deal that makes sense, that gives Andrew Kopp a couple years to compete for a cup, hopefully with the Winnipeg Jets, and then you know, break the bank on, uh, on, you know, on a deal that might be the one long-term that he signs over the course of his career. Um, I'm really not sure. You know, we'll talk about it with Mike McIntyre and Ken Weeb and some of the other guys over the next week or so. And, of course, that key date that I think everyone hopes that we don't get to is August 26th for the Winnipeg Jets and Neil and uh, Andrew Kopp, as Rima said, the main event of arbitration, the final match coming up two Thursdays from now. All right. We are going to, um, we're going to take a quick, uh, well, we're going to talk some football. We've got the Bombers and the Ham- and the uh, Toronto Argonauts going at it. A battle of 1-0 teams Friday night at IG Field. And um, a little bit before the show, was able to catch up with the quarterback of the Blue Bombers, Zach Caleros, to talk about uh, the big win in week number one, heading into week number two. And, and it's how he's feeling now, um, you know, with the comfort of a training camp behind him, not to mention a Grey Cup ring, despite starting only five games right now as we speak for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So uh, just from a little earlier, here's our conversation with Blue Bomber QB, Zach Caleros. Zach, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Just got through a little film session there. So. Yeah, getting yeah. ready for the Argos and a battle of 1-0 teams. Hey, before we talk about the game coming up on Friday at IG Field, um, congratulations on game number one. Before we even talk about the win and what happened on the field, tell us what it was like coming out of the tunnel in front of 30,000 fans, seeing that Grey Cup banner go up and just have the opportunity to get back doing what you and your teammates love to do. Yeah, it was great. It was great for... Uh... For the organization, it was great for you know the players. Obviously, I thought it was great for the province and for the country in general. Just to have the CFL back, it was a an amazing experience there, right down in front of our our uh, our home fans. And um, yeah, the, the entire you know 
leading up to the game in the first quarter, even I, th- I feel like none of us could catch our breath because we were so excited and, you know, our adrenaline was pumping. We hadn't done it in so long. So uh, something I'll definitely never forget and uh, really happy with the way that we, we played and, and came out with a victory. And, um, yeah, you can't say enough good things about our fans and, and the energy that they brought to the stadium. What uh, what was it like in the dressing room leading up to that game? This had been such a long time coming, and I imagine for a lot of you, many of you wondered whether this would actually even ever happen. Yeah, there, there was definitely a, an energy there, as there always is before a game. But, um, you know, I had heard a lot of conversations going on, like, hey, you know, just try to relax, try to relax, you know, because everybody was so amped up to get out there on the field, and uh, myself included. It was um, – Definitely a, a special night and a weird one at the same time because, again, we hadn't done it in a long time, but uh, it, it was awesome. Well, and, uh, you know, the team went out and uh, took care of business with a huge win against a very, very good football team. Um, I, I have to ask you, though, about training camp overall, Zach. I mean, you have this incredibly long period, an unprecedented period where you guys are off the field. You come back and, you know, the time was there, but there was no action you know that even that scrimmage that was planned in Saskatchewan didn't take place you had no preseason games how would you how different was this training camp shall I ask you from as opposed to anyone you've other been in your professional career uh, I mean it was yeah it was very different um you know leading up to it you still really weren't sure if it was real you know if, it, if, if this was actually going to happen until I feel like it was a couple of weeks before training camp actually started so between that and then having to the quarantine at the hotel for seven days um you know just kind of being isolated in your own room that was that was certainly different than anything that we did have experienced and just doing the zoom meetings um was there some benefit to that you know probably because we got to do the install two times um you know from an offensive standpoint for the players um but yeah it was, it was different you know it was a different training camp you know i i'll be honest with you there's still some guys on the defensive side that i look and i'm like i, I don't know who this is you know, because you you weren't really able to to interact with with both sides of the football. You you know, even eating lunch and dinner um, was obviously different than what, what everybody's dealing with in the world. You know, it it just it's kind of the predicament that we're in as a as a society. So uh, yeah, it was it was different. Well, uh, you know, you're a championship squad coming back. I mean, Mike O'Shea pretty much um, laid out the. Uh the all business mantra of this club right from uh, the beginning of the uh, training camp. And we certainly saw it on the field. Uh, what did you think of uh, the win over Hamilton? And uh, in specific, uh, what did you like about the offensive performance in game number one? Uh, I, think, I thought it was a good win. You know, anytime you can win in this league, it's, it's a great thing. So it's not easy to do. Uh, there's a lot of preparation goes into it. And, um, you know, to have that come to fruition, it's, it's always great. Um, I thought offensively we were physical first and foremost, and that's uh, that's really what we wanted to accomplish, uh, to set the tone physically and starts up front, and our offensive line did a great job of that. I think there's definitely uh, things we can clean up on the outside, on the inside as well. Uh, that starts with me as the quarterback, and we'll continue to get better at those. You know, Obviously with the short training camp and, and no preseason games, that was kind of uh, our first real action, so there's going to be mistakes, but um, we'll continue to get those things and, and hopefully execute level uh, moving forward well and speaking of being physical i mean we spent 18 months talking about the gray cup game and how the blue bombers just physically dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage as a quarterback how much confidence does it give you and the entire team knowing that you're going up and getting the ball from the best offensive line in the canadian football league 
I think it's great for, you know, not just people, like you said, the entire team, I, they, they set the tone physically, um, you know, right from the get go. And, uh, you know, let let our teams know what we're about, and uh, that's not just our, our offensive line; it's our defensive line as well. It's uh, you know something that's kind of baked into the culture here is that we want to be physical, and the guys take it serious. And um, you know, it, it definitely you know filters its way out to, into the receiving core, into the running backs, and um, it, it's great great for our offense, great for me as a quarterback because uh, it allows you to do other things because the other team has to be worried about the the run and, and that physicality. Well, and I mean, I think of the fourth quarter in particular, when you're playing with the lead, the defense is playing very strong. You get the ball and, you know, you're able to give the ball to a rookie running back who's moving the chains every time. I mean, it obviously speaks to what Brady Oliveira was able to do. uh, But to have an offensive line that can step up and dominate a game and, you know, maintain football, the possession of the ball. Um, it's just huge. Hard to imagine, you know, that second half, the way things went for you guys, when you didn't need to score points, what you needed to do was just finish the team off and the way that took place in, uh, in quarter four. Yeah. I mean, you always work on that in training camp and in situational football, that four minute drill where you want to run the clock out. Um, so yeah, being, being able to do that is, is huge. You would have obviously liked to score a touchdown there at the end of the game, uh, rather than kicking, kick a field goal. Um, you know, we took a penalty there and that set us back. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a great performance. Um, something, again, you always want to do is you want to end the game with the ball in your hands. And uh, we, were, we were able to get into the victory formation there and, and do that. Uh, Zach Caleros with us here in Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Tickets available Friday night, blue and gold against the double blue of the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Zach, I have to ask, I mean, you're coming to Winnipeg and winning a great cup is one of the most storybook and sort of crazy stories. I mean, you started one game at Winnipeg's at the IG field and then went on a run on the road. I mean, for many Bomber fans, that was their first time to actually get a chance to see you in person playing at IG field if they weren't at that final game of the of the 2019 season. Um, does it feel like home now? Do you feel at home as a Bomber now that you've you know got your great cup ring and knowing you're getting back at it with this club? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, it's a great group. So they're very welcoming, you know, obviously from a you know, playing game standpoint, I hadn't been here for a long time, but, you know, I really did feel like I was one of the guys in the locker room and then, you know, keeping in touch with people over the off season, uh, an extended off season, uh, and then get back at it. Or it, it. It felt like home. I always remember, I mean, the Grey Cup win, the celebration downtown Winnipeg, it was such a magical period of time. And then everyone went their separate ways. Like what was those few weeks afterwards? You got home, you're a Grey Cup champ. I mean, did you ever think back? Like the last two months almost seems like a dream. Like how, how the heck did all this happen and come together the way it did? Yeah, I you know I don't think I really sat back and thought about it until the whole pandemic you know started because you know we we came home after the the parade. You know we had an ultrasound. I think it was a. Uh, my wife's first ultrasound. So, you know, went and did, got that done. And then, then it was a lot of traveling, you know, for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and, you know, all those different things, you know, for me wanting to get back to see my family. So we never really had a, a chance to sit down and, and kind of, again, you know, talk about it and think about it. It was just, we're going from this party to this party to this party to say hello to this person. And yeah. And then by that time, you know, we were all supposed to, you know, bring the gray cup, you know, back to our hometowns or whatever the, the pandemic started. So, um, so yeah, that was different. But yeah, it's a, a time that my wife and I, at least, or my parents and I, could sit around and and talk about you know how cool that that was. Not for me personally, but for for our team, and I'm sure for the fans. Um, it, you know, I mean, OSHA's kind of a storybook 
kind of thing. And, but again, it speaks to, to the culture here in the organization. And, um, you know, it's not just quarterback that wins games. There's a lot of, a lot of great football players on our, on our team and it, it takes a total team effort. And, and that's what, what we had, what we had happen. And it's just so happy we, we won the great cup. Well, and, uh, and you, you saw how much that resonates within this city, um, you know, last Friday night and, or a Thursday night, and we'll feel it again uh, when you guys take the field against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, it, there are some pretty significant changes on the offense, and certainly from the quarterback position. No Chris Strebler, who was such a sort of a unicorn with the way he was able to run the football and basically a human battering ram in that you guys would switch out. And, of course, offensive coordinator Paul Apolise is gone. Um, tell us about working with Buck Pierce and how things have gone so far with the, the new offense that you and Buck are uh, sort of in charge of uh, taking into 2021. Yeah, Buck's been amazing. Um, amazing to work with since day one, you know, even when I first got back here and he was the, uh, you know, just the quarterback coach, pass game coordinator. You know, he's been uh, a great person to lean on and, and talk about the offense with. And, you know, obviously carrying it over now with, you know, with Lapo being in Ottawa and, and, and talking with him throughout the offseason about what he wants to accomplish offensively, uh, you know, from a philosophical standpoint and from a tempo standpoint, that, that was great. And then, you know, being able to come here and, um, you know, going to a full training camp with them uh, has been great for me personally. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, he's been great to work with. He's an easy guy to communicate with. He does a great job of communicating, you know, to the receivers, to the offensive line, um, to the running backs. You know, I think it's easy for him because he played – the quarterback position and he's always kind of been in that leadership role um you know mix that with with humility and, and guys really respect him and and listen to what he has to say and uh yeah it's, it's been great so far you know i look forward every morning coming to work and, and working with him and um you know just talking ball and you know you know what we can do this week to attack uh the defense and, and to score points you know i mean i still think back and you know talk with friends about you know the run to the great cup and I mean, anyone that knows what it's like to you know play football at that level, the amount of preparation, the amount of information that a quarterback needs to go about the offense, I think made what what has happened over the course of four games that much more impressive because of how little time that you had to to learn everything. I have to ask you how much more comfortable you are just in general with your situation and the offense right now, having had this amount of time and having had a full training camp with your teammates going into last week's opener. Yeah, I, I think it's my comfort level is obviously a lot better than it was, you know, for that game because I wasn't able to, you know, really learn everything from from the beginning. Uh, you know, obviously having a full training camp now, you know, there's little nuanced, um, you know, terms that we have in our offense. Now I know the reason why they're called that and what we're actually trying to accomplish, you know, rather than just, you know, getting a 200 you know, play game plan and memorizing that for this week against Calgary or this week against Saskatchewan, which is what I was kind of, you know, doing there at the end of the year. Um, so yeah, being able to start from scratch, you know, learn the ins and outs of why we do things here has been great. And it's been, it's made things a lot easier for me from a communication standpoint with the coaching staff, as well as with the, the receivers. So receivers have been here for a while too. So they, they speak the Winnipeg offensive terminology language, right? You know, I came, when I came last year, I was calling things what I'd called them, in Hamilton, you know, from four years ago or in, in Saskatchewan. Cause you know, we call it this route, this, and then you guys call it this. So I'm just trying to be like, Hey, you need to run that one and eight and come in. What do we call that? Oh, we call that boost. Okay. We call it bucks here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff. It's just made, made my life a lot easier from that standpoint. Um, and anytime again, you know, going back to starting from scratch, anytime, you know, the why of, of why we call this play this and what we're looking for, 
you know, I think it makes, it makes the quarterback's job easier. I think it makes everybody's job easier. So I always try to, we always try to tell, you know, even the receivers, you know, know what the concept is and what, what we're trying to accomplish here. And it'll make everything better and easier for you too. Uh, speaking of receivers, uh, we're looking forward to getting Darvin Adams back in the lineup at some point soon. I mean, he certainly makes a huge difference as uh, you know a, a real legitimate deep threat. But uh, man, Kenny Lawler's looking good. You got Nick Dembski coming into his own. I mean, uh, uh, what do you make of uh, the performance of those guys that you're working with every day and the way they balled out in game number one? Yeah, I mean, it's just a great group of people. Um, you know, Kenny, obviously, uh, his tangible stuff is off the charts, but I thought he had a great, great training camp as well, just from a from a leadership standpoint, being in that room and, and understanding our offense and being able to communicate that with guys. You know, everybody knows how great Nick Dembski is um, and, and Drew Altarski. Those two guys for me are kind of, you know, like security blankets out there, and they know the offense probably better than I do. So, you know, anytime I see something, I can kind of look at them and be like, hey, let's do it this way, and, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, it kind of it makes the quarterback job, you know, a lot easier. Rasheed Bailey, uh, you know, came on down the stretch for us last year and had a great training camp, had a great week one. Um, you know, love his energy that he brings out there. And uh, and who else do we have? Who else is who's to the field out there? We had uh, Charles last week. And, um, yeah, so he, he, Charles is very dynamic with the ball in his hands. Uh, a guy who's been here for a, quite a while, too, and knows the offense. So he's, he's going to continue to get better. Um, we got some young guys, too. So, um, yeah, it's a great group of athletes, uh, guys that, you know, want to be great. And, you know, like I said, I just got done, you know, staying after with those guys for an hour just to break down a little bit of what we did at practice and, and what we can do, you know, this week against Toronto. So they're, they're an eager group, uh, and it's a fun group to, to work with because they want to be great. You made a number of plays with your feet as well. I'm just wondering about your, your, your viewpoint on, I mean, how much you want to run. I mean, are you getting out of the pocket to create more passing plays? Um, and, you know, how important is it to be able to run oh, yeah. the football, but also to, uh, you know, to get down to make sure you're not taking any extra hits? Yeah, I don't I don't want to run the football when I'm, I've always been more of a, uh, you know, to improvise, to get the ball to the receiver. You know, uh, I think last week I had one run there where it just, you know, everything kind of you know, split in front of me and um, you know, there was a lane there. So I took it. But, you know, generally, you know, I think the quarterback should not be first the ball should be the guy who you know, moves around a little bit and, and gets guys open and allows, allows for some extra time there. So uh, it's nothing you really think about going into the game. Like, hey, I need to, I need to drop back and, and take off three or four times. But um, I think between the, the rustiness of, of not playing for two years um, and dropping my eyes and just trying to get outside of the pocket, because it's always something that I've reverted to because I've, I've been decent at it in my career of, of impro- impro- improvising. Uh, they're on the run. You know, mix that with uh, some of the things that Hamilton was doing. Um, it worked out for us, and, and our receivers did a great job of continuing to work. So it's not easy to do. Zach Caleros with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Zach, before we go, got to ask you about the game on Friday. Uh, now you've been spending a lot of time looking at the tape. Pretty impressive performance by Toronto going into Calgary to win their opening game. Uh, a ton of new faces on that defense. Uh, uh, what are you and the offense up against on Friday? Yeah, it was definitely a big win for their organization. Um, you know, the, the defensively, they get after the, the passer uh, very well. I think uh, obviously there, there's a lot of new faces in the secondary, but it's they've got some guys with CFL experience. They know how to play the game. They do a good job of of route reading and, and playing man coverage, and uh, you know that's what you want to do in this league. So um, it's going to be a huge challenge for us. Obviously, they played you know very well against Calgary, and uh, we're going to have to put our best foot forward and, and hope the uh, hope that we can get a win. Hey, last one for you, and thanks so much for doing this. 
Um, no problem. Before you got here for 29 freaking years, we were talking about the fact that the team hadn't won the Grey Cup. And it was almost like a, it was just a running narrative about, you know, how things would go wrong. And many fans thought that the team was cursed. You come in and the team wins a championship. You have the great celebration. We've talked about that all. But for for your team right now, what is what is the fact that you guys were able to win and bring back so many of those players from a championship squad going into this season do? I mean, I, I, does that make you guys more prepared for what's to come right now? Does it give you more of a sense of defending what you have earned? Or is all of that nice to have, but none of it really matters because you got to go out and win battles every single game when you take the field? Yeah, I, I think there what you said at the end. Um you know, we've tried to embrace that. You know, we're a new football team this year. You know, we have a lot of guys that have come back from that team, but every week's going to be different. And, uh, you know, our goal is to go one to know every week. So there hasn't been a lot of conversation um, about last year or two years ago, you know, if any, really, except for, you know, just kind of BS in the locker room, like, hey, remember this or what we did after this game, you know, kind of thing. The celebration was awesome, I must say. <laughs> that uh, that parade that, that, that Winnipeg put on was just amazing. I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect, and that was just incredible. But, but yeah, to answer your question, there hasn't been a ton of talk about that. You know, obviously it's an amazing thing um, that we accomplish as a team and, and accomplish as a city here and as a fan base, and, you know, we're, we're very grateful to have done that. But uh, this is a new year. Um, you know, every team's different, and – you know, we're really locked in on taking it day by day to to try to to beat the opponent that's in front of us. And you know, this week it's Toronto, and uh, again, we're we're hoping we can play our best game to get a W. Well, uh, I know the uh, fans are. You know, it was a long time coming to get back to the park last Thursday. Luckily, the wait was only eight days before seeing you and your teammates go at it again. Zach, all the best. Thanks so much for doing this. Good luck on Friday night, and hopefully, we can do this again later on the summer. For sure, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, and, and have a good one. All right, that was great stuff with Zach Caleros. Thanks so much to the Bomber quarterback for joining us again. Bombers, Argos, Friday night, IG Field. Tickets on sale now. Get out there. Get your butt in the seat at the stadium. I will be there, and I will have koozies with me again. So if you missed me at the first game, looking to see if you can score one of those Winnipeg Sports Talk koozies, I will have them get there early They were all gone by about quarter to seven last game. But um, anyways, really looking forward to that. Thanks again to Zach for joining us. And thanks to DC and the gang for helping us arrange it. All right. Asa Raymond coming up in just a second. Do you want to thank uh, Little Brown Jug for their sponsorship and partnership here with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. If you have not yet already tried the flagship 1919 or the incredible summer beers, including the summer lager and the Hefeweizen as part of the summer variety pack, what are you waiting for? And you don't even have to leave the house. You can get it delivered directly to your home. Same day delivery if you order by four. And you can do that online at littlebrownjug.ca. And with the restrictions loosened, another great spot to go and get it right from the tap, if you will, at Little Brown Jug. The brewery and patio is there on William Avenue. It's just a great spot if you haven't been there already. Make a point next time you're getting together with friends to maybe pop down and enjoy Little Brown Jug at Little Brown Jug at the headquarters on William Avenue. We've got live racing again tonight at Assiniboia Downs. Remus and I will have our picks at the end of the day. Did manage to squeeze a little bit out of last night, a nice parlay that basically got me, or parlay, a quinella, excuse me, using the horse racing vernacular correctly, uh, that got me to about even. 
but we really dug in for these picks tonight. So we're looking forward to that. Some of our favorite horses are back, including Otani. We'll hit that at the end. But if you're thinking about getting out, you can do it. Double vaxxed. You got to show your ID, much like you do to go to a Goldag game or a Bomber game. 50% capacity on the main level and outdoors. And upstairs, VLTs are open from 9 until 12.15 every day, as is the Terrace Dining Room. But you're going to want to make a reservation for the Terrace Dining Room. You can do that by calling Assiniboia Downs or find out more at asdowns.com. And don't forget tonight with all the live racing getting going at 7.30, 6.45, Kirk and Stretch will break it all down for you. And um, Remus and I have both had a lot of fun betting on the races on hpibet.com from our homes and watching all the action on the Assiniboia Downs live YouTube page. And not many people with us on YouTube, probably seen the guys in here on the regular uh, as well, interacting with us. Definitely check that out if you're looking to make a few wagers tonight for the track. But if not, get out there and do it in person. There's nothing like being at the track. And uh, a big thanks to Breezy Bend Country Club. And I do have to make a special congratulations because Garth Collings is now the Manitoba senior champion. And I was talking with Corey over at Breezy. Uh, they always love to, to, to be the home of the champions with so many great players coming out of their junior program, the Monday putter, although credit to Elmhurst for winning it this year. But I texted back, I'm like, is Garth Collings the goat of Manitoba golf? And uh, I think he is the most decorated Manitoba amateur golfer of all time. Three-time Manitoba amateur champ, Six-time Manitoba Mid-Aventure Champion, now three-time Manitoba Senior Champion, and two-time Manitoba Match Play Champion. He was the 03 Canadian Mid-Aventure Champion and the 2003 Canadian Club Champions Champion, and is the five-time Manitoba Golfer of the Year. So um, shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend and a special congratulations to the great Garth Collings who just keeps winning here in the province of Manitoba. If you're thinking about a great spot to uh, golf for you and your family next year, get on the waiting list, call Corey Johnson over at Breezy Bend or find out more at breezybend.ca. All right, uh, we've got a great cool bet tip for you. The Lock Shop Boosted Parlay. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. But, um, you know, we've got Des Scott coming on the program on Friday. I am so excited to have her on. And as we continue to bask in the glory of the uh, gold medal win, some excitement about the men's program as well. And our next guest, uh, we're always down to talk fantasy on this program. And an exciting new fantasy league for the Canadian Elite Basketball League is all part of our next conversation with the one and only Asa Raymond. Asa, what's up? It's great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you doing? Yeah, what's going on, Huss? Happy to be here. And you're making me miss Winnipeg with all those mentions. So Little Brown Jug has been added to the list. Definitely got to check that out next time I'm in town and uh, heading back to the track, obviously, at the top of the list as well. It was one of my favorite places to check out, the Cinnaboy Downs. And one of my favorite parts about just going to the track for me, was uh, the, the trek out there, the trip from uh, South Osborne, uh, heading out to Assiniboine Towns. And for me, because it's I'm from Vancouver originally, very hilly, but Winnipeg's quite flat. And I would definitely notice the change in elevation when I was going to the track. And it felt like, yeah, this is a trip. We're going to the track. We're going to get into it and hopefully win some money. So, yeah, I, I definitely got to check out those places next time I'm back in town. Hey, well, speaking about your time in Winnipeg, I couldn't help but notice the uh, the Bonnie Vital soccer uh, gear oh, you're rocking is. today. Rep, repping the boys and girls at, uh, yeah, Bonnie Vital. I played out of Bonnie Vital, coached 
as well. And uh, I do miss it. Had a lot of fun. A great organization. Hope everyone there is doing well. Uh, let me ask you uh, before we get to the fantasy stuff about the uh, the women's victory on Friday. Um, I mean, really writing back to the quarterfinal against Brazil, which was another heart-stopping penalty shootout, and then the, the, the win over the U.S. that had been 20 years in the making, and then finally getting it done in the most thrilling, heart-stopping fashion. Um, have you calmed down from that victory? I mean, uh, have, and have you put into perspective of where this you know ranks? Not just, obviously, it's the biggest Canadian soccer win, not even close in history, but... You know, how big of a moment is this historically for Canadian sports, Asa? Massive. I mean, worth waking up early for, staying up late for, which is why we all did that through that run. And it was an inspiring performance. You mentioned uh, the win over the United States and then over Sweden and just the, the spirit of performance that they showed. And every time... I talk about the team. I get excited. The goosebacks, the goosebumps come back. And uh, I'm sure you get this, Austin, when you're talking about the Jets. People see you, they run into you, they want to talk Jets right away. It's the same for me with soccer. So it's the first thing people mention uh, when I see them is just uh, that women's national team, what they did at the Olympics and how they performed. And I can't help but mention just the the diversity and the variety uh, of players that they have on this team and the way they come together because uh, you have such a a varying uh, difference in age and experience, and they all came together. And I think that's why they performed so well at this tournament. They really bought in. Uh, Bev Priestman did an amazing job uh, taking over from uh, John Herdman, obviously, and, and this team just really found this ride in this tournament. And it's really exciting because I don't think they're done. I think that this is just setting them up for success in the future. So it's, it's a fun time to be a fan of the sport in this country. Well, no doubt about it. And I mean, the two people that we talk about the most here, obviously, Christine Sinclair, the GOAT, I mean, the highest scoring international player of any sex in FIFA history. Um, And of course, Desiree Scott here from Winnipeg. And I mean, I remember the moment you talk about getting sort of verklempt or, you know, your eyes going up. I mean, I've had this go on just thinking about this for the last week since it happened. But the USA game, I remember Sinclair being subbed out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she went and put the captain's armband on Desiree Scott. And then they went out and finished the job and beat the Americans. And, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine two women, two athletes that are more deserving of the final result of what happened in Tokyo than Sinclair and Desiree. Um, You know, Sinclair will always get the headlines because she has essentially kind of, you know, almost was the starting point to build up this next generation of players. Um, but you know Desiree as well from uh, your, your time here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Maybe just, you know, a thought on both of those incredible veterans and, you know, just how great it was to see them finally get their just desserts. Well, it's, it's the calm under pressure and the leadership, right? Those two in particular. Uh, and I just love watching Desiree Scott play. It's not the type of player that I was when I played, but it's it's a hard nose, get your job, job done player. And you need that, especially in tournaments, in every sport. And uh, you can see the, the work that she puts in and it's inspiring. I think it gets everyone else to appreciate and buy in to what they need to do because you can't just finesse your way through a tournament through a season and uh, she really speaks to that that grit that grind that that steel that you need in the middle of the park and uh, I think that she's a big reason why they won uh, at the Olympics well um and and I mean as far as Sinclair goes um you know there's not enough uh, you know we don't really have the words to describe her importance to this team yeah. um 
But it really is was amazing to see. I mean, you know, her handing the ball off to Jesse Fleming. I mean, this is this is not only the yeah. greatest player in the history of the game when it comes to the women's game, but also, you know, the consummate teammate. I mean, it, it's never and it has never been about Christine Sinclair. It's always been about the squad. And we saw that time after time in this tournament. Um, and that bodes well for Canada going forward with this next generation. Sure. At some point, we'll, you know, we'll take the baton from Sinclair after, you know, she's been the captain of this club for the better part of the last couple of decades. But uh, yeah. as someone that's covered the game for so long, seeing her get that gold medal, um, hard to oh, beat it. So sweet, right? And this is a player that everyone is rooted for for so long in the women's game, in soccer in general. Anyone that's followed her, anyone that's seen her, uh, was just rooting for her, pulling for her to to get that victory. And she got it. And she deserves full credit for the job that she did in this tournament. And then building this team up as well, setting them up for success at Tokyo. And uh, a shout out to, you mentioned the the, the, the penalty shootout and uh, keeper Stephanie Labay. It was incredible as well and her poise uh, throughout Tokyo was uh, was impressive well, and you know what just one other thing about the shootout because I do want to ask you about the men um, <laughs> the you know we talk a lot about Julia Grosso I mean 20 yeah. years old she was 11 watching Team Canada <laughs> yeah. when they got screwed in 2012 against the Americans in the London Olympics and you know that team it's obvious has already inspired another generation that are now that are now kicking in and we focus so much on that final penalty. I got to tell you, maybe the most clutch thing I saw in the entire tournament was Rose nailing that one in the top corner on the yeah. fifth penalty when if she didn't score, it was over in a silver yes. medal. So clutch. Yes, but in watching those penalties, I don't know how you felt about it, Huss, but it seemed like they needed to do that. And rarely do I see that in a shootout where both keepers are just dialed in. And it felt like they needed to go upstairs, top corner, which is why uh, the Swedish player, I think, put it over. Because she knew that she had to essentially put it top in to score. They, the Both keepers did an amazing job, put so much pressure. And then, yeah, Grosso, to put that away, was so nice. It was, it was awesome to watch. So we're on the top of the world for the women. Now it's time for our men to sort of follow suit. And, you know, we've got Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. For the first time, I think, as a Canadian soccer fan of the men's program, you can be legitimately excited about what's to come. Um, but short term, this team is still has some pretty big qualifying games coming up that will be happening here in Canada. Fill us in on uh, where the Can MNT are at and their World Cup hopes. Yeah, it starts uh, September 2nd to BMO Field against Honduras, and that really sets the stage for, for them. Uh, they should get that result. And they're at a stage now, and I think we saw this through qualifying and uh, and through the Olympics as well. Just uh, they are expected to win these games, or, they, or Gold Cup, I should say, through the Gold Cup. They expect to win these games, and they should. They have enough talent on the team, and they're playing really well. I was really impressed with the way they performed against Mexico, a heartbreaking defeat in the end, uh, allowing a goal uh, in, in injury time and stoppage time, but really went at them the entire match. And that gave me a great confidence uh, for the team going forward because it, it showed me that this team can perform under pressure. And that's usually at this stage, the final round of World Cup qualifying is when they'd stumble. They'd go up against uh, opponents that were at least level or even maybe a little bit better and potentially be intimidated. I don't see that in this team. There's a, 
a really good calming sense of belief throughout the entire roster and incredible talent coming off the bench as well. So it's, it's, it's really good and encouraging going forward because they, they believe they can win. And I think that's the most important thing, right? So there's no doubt in their mind now when they go up against the United States, they go up against Mexico, Honduras even, and, and they feel like they can win and they can compete and uh, they go at them. So they don't play tentatively. And uh, that's, I think the most exciting thing about this team in those upcoming matches uh and that first one, September 2nd, BMO Field against Honduras. You know, I mean, the Canadian team, uh, you know, on the women's side is the, I mean, the, the toast of the country. Um, mm-hmm. Anytime they'll play on Canadian soil, they'll have a ton of Canadian fans. But to be honest, it always drove me nuts when you saw these international games that our Canadian men's team would play, with the exception yeah. of maybe in Edmonton. I mean, I did work with the Oilers about two decades ago and went to a game between Canada and Trinidad, Tobago. Dwight York was playing. But, I mean, it was definitely a pro-Canada crowd. That hasn't been the case in so many of the other matches. I mean, there hasn't been any home. I have to ask you, do you think that this victory by the Canadian women might actually help galvanize people to pay a bit more attention to the men's side and actually cheer for our team as opposed to wherever they're from when they happen to play against Canada? Sure, it helps. I think the sport in general as a whole, I think it's just getting more people on board and 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 the and just the the people I guess the next generation uh, is is maybe a little more attached to the Canadian game as well, which is nice to see. Um, so you're having just more people turn out, tune in to these teams, and and I see it when I drop off my girls to their soccer camp in the summer every morning this week they go and you'd see Sinclair jerseys and you'd see that in the past, but you also see the boys with the Alfonso Davies kits and uh, Jonathan Davis. So yeah, there's just more attention being given now to, uh, to all programs. And uh, I think there's a greater aspiration to actually pay for these teams and, that wasn't always the case. I think a lot of people would maybe hold out hope uh, if you were a talented player to potentially play for another country. That's not the case anymore. I think everyone's looking to play for Canada and sign up and represent Canada, and that's great to see. Well, it certainly is. Asa Raymond with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Now, Asa, I could talk soccer with you all day, <laughs> uh, but you're actually involved in a very exciting, and God knows any regular listener knows how much Remus and I are into fantasy Um, But this is a really interesting project involving the CEBL, which is the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Now, I I will tell you that without a team here in Winnipeg, I've sort of I'm aware of the league. But I think myself and most of the people with us not really familiar with the CEBL. So give us a quick primer on this league right now before we get into what you and now Fantasy are doing with the CEBL. Well, I was going to quickly say, uh, Huss, that this is a great way to get into the league or just get interested in the league and see what's going on. And that's a fantasy game. But yeah, it's a seven-team league. Uh, Just wrapped up the season last night. Saskatchewan uh, playing last night. Uh, They uh, ended up losing to uh, Fraser Valley. So uh, yeah, that just wrapped up the season. So now we're looking into the playoffs and it starts this weekend, uh, a game on Saturday, a game on Sunday. So uh, some exciting action that you can uh, you can just sign up to the site as well, um, cbl.ca, and you can uh, subscribe to see the games, the highlights, and uh, really it's all on the website. You can take in all the information you need on the league. And uh, from what I read, from what I understand as well, Winnipeg's looking to have a team. So, And the league is looking to expand, hopefully, in one of these markets like Winnipeg. And I think it'd be great. I think Winnipeg would be a great spot uh, for the uh, CEBL franchise. So, yeah, we'll... Uh uh, I encourage you to check out uh, the website and uh, and then obviously if you want to get into the fantasy game, test that out as well. 
Yeah, so Remo, if you're with us live on the YouTube, you just go into the chat. Remo's thrown out there. It's a fantasy.cebl.ca. Uh, interesting, similar salary cap based yeah. pro or bat, uh, based um, game um, that people can go in, can win some prizes, and um, most importantly, I think for the league, Asa um, gives them the opportunity to sort of maybe get a few more people paying attention to this league outside of the seven markets. And yeah, to your point, I am with you a hundred percent. I mean, I think the basketball community here continues to grow. Yeah. I mean, it's huge at a grassroots level. And uh, it's been a few years since we had the Winnipeg Thunder, or the Winnipeg Cyclone here. And, you know, I certainly think with the prominence of the basketball here in Winnipeg, as well as coast to coast, there's a big market for it. Of course, people in Winnipeg will realize probably the biggest challenge right now is availability of a building. Um, you know, ever right. since the Manitoba Moose came to Winnipeg, you know, the amount of dates that are taken during the hockey season with both the Winnipeg Jets and the Moose is significant, making it very difficult to squeeze other events or certainly a full schedule in. And until the ice get that building built that they have uh, announced, I'm not sure where it's at right now, uh, we don't really have a secondary building. So that probably is the challenge. But as far as the market goes, really across Canada, basketball continues to grow. And, you know, I think the potential for this league um, is really exciting uh, going forward. It's huge. The sport's growing. We talked about it uh, on the soccer side, obviously, but basketball the same way. And you see it uh, through the NBA draft every year, kids coming out of Canada going to the NBA and it's great to have a league now where players can play. And a lot of players in the league uh, might've played in Europe before if, if they weren't in the NBA. So now there's a place for them to play at home and uh, a lot of Americans in the league as well. And it's, it's great for some of these markets. Uh, it's an exciting, fun atmosphere. They have an Elam ending, which uh, some people might be familiar with basically a target score inside the last four minutes, which makes for an exciting finish. So some real cool, innovative things that, that the league is doing. And uh, we're happy that they took us on to create their fantasy game as well. So that's just one of the things that they've done. So it's a really cool, uh, fun, uh, young emerging league. You know, I shouldn't be shocked. Our girl Taylor, who is the president of the Logan Stanley fan club, a mainstay with us every day, just dropped in. I absolutely love the CEBL. Nice. Let's go Rattlers. So she's even got a team already. So Taylor, we'll maybe be getting some tips from you on our picks for the CEBL Fantasy. Um, what's the timelines? I mean, people can go and check it out right now. You mentioned the games are starting up. I mean, all the rules and how things will work sure. will all be there on the site. Uh, but I imagine people have a couple days that want to get a lineup yeah. in and uh, get ready to check out what happens come playoff time. Yeah, yeah. So quick uh, rundown. Basically, you got till the weekend, till that first tip off to get your team in. It's really easy. Go to the website, fantasy.cebl.ca, and you start building your team right away. You're picking your favorite five, uh, your, your fab five, if you will, two guards, three fours, staying under that cap, just like a DFS league would re require you to do. And, uh, and then you hope for the best. And you compete for prizes, uh, top prize for each round to the quarterfinal, the semifinal and the final stage, and then an overall winner as well. So you're competing with everyone else that's signing up for the game. And it should be a whole lot of fun. It should be pretty competitive. Already over 100 people signed up. So uh, that number continues to go up. And we're pretty excited about that. Well, I, I think this will be a great way to introduce our Winnipeg Sports Talk audience to the yeah. CEBL while we wait to see if maybe in the future a team might come to Winnipeg. Asa, always love having you on the program, man. Thanks so much for doing this. You be well, and uh, let's catch up again soon. Sounds good, Huss. Thanks so much. Great stuff. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Asa Raymond, A-S-A-R-E-H-M-A-N. 
um, you know, long time working with one soccer, Fox soccer here in Winnipeg and now out on the West coast working with now fantasy, great friend of the program and great to have Asa on with us today on Winnipeg sports talk. All right. Um, it has been a great, great show. Uh, Marat, Zach Kolaris, Asa Raymond. Now we do have to get down to business. We do have our picks for the track tonight, but Remo, let's get into the, uh, our cool bet lines of the day. And uh, Blue Jays back in action tonight. We're still waiting on those official CFL lines, although my guy Chris Abbott has assured me that starting next week after these games, Cool Bet will lead the way with CFL lines. We'll have them early in the week, which will be great for betters, great for us to talk about them here on the program. Uh, but right now we got three games going on. Later on tonight, it's Alec Manoa and the Toronto Blue Jays in L.A. to take on the Angels the Jays minus 175 favorites. Now I'm going to point you, Remo, if you can go to this, go to the front, the main page. Um, the, uh, yeah, just click on cool bet right at the top. And then if you go down on the left side, you'll see there's MLB, you go down. Then there's also, or actually you're up on the top, the, uh, the lock shop boosted odds parlay. So if you're not familiar with the lock shop, we, I make a pick. Dusty makes a pick and Chris Abbott makes a pick and we put it together on a parlay. Uh, We've won two in a row. We're looking to go three in a row. Now the picks for today, I am on the Cubs who are a big, big favorite. Sorry, I'm on the Brewers who are a big, big favorite against the Cubs who have traded away all their players. Chris Abbott is riding Alec Manoa on the first five innings, the first five innings line, money line, Blue Jays to win the first five innings. And Dusty's on the Elks. Now, this is a bit of a, a bit of an insider tip for you all. We put this odds out originally, and the line for the Brewers was, I don't know, ESPN was posting about 150, 160, and it was off the board at Coolbet. And we gave it to the odds makers. They always put the odds together, and then they boost it. Well, the original odds was plus 220, which they boosted to plus 300. But then once we saw what happened to the Brewers line, which went down to minus 270, this is by far the best value we have ever had with the boosted odds parlay. The, if you put these three together, and again, the Elks money line isn't even out, but it probably is in and around minus 165. We're probably looking at a parlay that would be about plus 180. We're getting plus 300 on this one. So if you haven't bet at cool bet before, you can always use the promo code WST. You will get a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. If you're already a cool better, just simply go there. If you want to ride with us on an amazing boosted parlay, it's plus 300. Got to get in before these games start tonight. And fingers crossed, Brewers will win. The Jays will win in the first five. And then we'll be in a situation with a plus 300 ticket that if you're worried about the Elks, um, you can back the um, Alouettes on the money line and um, make a profit on either side. So very excited about this. We're hoping to go 3-0, and uh, but I was especially excited when I saw what the boosted number was because uh, I think they maybe made, uh, what does they say, a monopoly error in your favor? I think that's the way it is. So if you want to get in on that, it's the Lock Shop Boosted Odds Partner Parlay. I'm in on it. And once I realized what the line was, I have to admit, I doubled down during the lock shop. Again, check out lock shop on the podcast. Search lock shop wherever you get in your podcast. We're putting those out on Wednesdays for the month of August. And then back to two times a week once the NFL gets going a little bit later on. Um, There is quite a bit of tennis going on as well. 
Uh, Bianca Andreescu with the big win yesterday. Uh, today, I do believe that we've got um, Denis Shapovalov playing. He's a minus 250 favorite against Francis Tiafo a little bit later on. That one will certainly be on the tube. Uh, so certainly lots going on right now um, at the uh, on the tennis courts north of the border in both Montreal and Toronto. Again, all the odds available at CoolBet. Dot com and we should have the official CFL lines, I'd imagine, tomorrow uh, for Cool Bet. Uh, but Bombers apparently looking at some other books in and around a six, six and a half point favorite. To be honest, I think I like Toronto and the points in that. Um, I do like the Bombers to win this game, but I think that this will be, uh, this isn't going to be a walkover for the Bombers. I think the Argos are going to come and, you know, McLeod, Bethel, Thompson, Remus, as we remember from 2019. Sort of bit of did of a bit of a number on the bombers when they were going into that little bit of a slump midseason, uh, and MBT, despite how bad the team was overall in 2019, has shown that he can move the football and throw touchdowns. And now that he's getting pushed by Nick Arbuckle, I think that quarterback competition in Toronto uh, bodes very well for the chances of the double blue going forward. So I think we're going to have a hell of a football game on Friday night. And I think I'm actually going to take the points with the Argos and the Bombers on the money line. Yeah, let's see uh, if the Bombers can stay fired up. No banner unveiling. But you look at how the Bombers just dominated Hamilton. I mean, six points. That is an elite offense. Um, I'd like to think that they can do that to the Alouettes, although they're improved. Not to the Alouettes. The Argos, they're improved. Uh, Eric Rogers, Tavares Daniels coming over from Calgary. Ricky Collins Jr. was the big, uh, big star um, last game. So what do they got? John Wright, White running the ball. I, I think I would maybe lean the Bombers, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold. Uh, I'm not sold on the Argos. The one team I think is going to bounce back is the team that lost to the Argos in Calgary. I know they had some issues with receivers coming in and out of the game. Um, the Calgary doesn't. They don't like to lose to the Argos. They hadn't lost in a while. Uh, I think I am on Bo uh, this week for a bounce back win against BC, who's starting. Uh, well, they say that they're starting uh, Nathan Rourke at quarterback. We'll see what Mike Riley has to say about that. You know, once the uh, you know kickoff starts. You got it. Hey, by the way, I know what many of you, if you're listening on the podcast, we were talking about all the great merch at Royal Sports and, you know, the Canadian soccer gear and everything else. I do see, shout out to Greg, who is in the chat right now. Fingers crossed at our new era, Winnipeg Sports Talks hats are coming in. We know they're very busy. Lots going on right now on the new era side of things, but we're counting down the days. Hopefully we'll have those soon. As soon as we have them, you'll know about it and you'll be able to pick them up. Um, We'll probably have some, I would imagine, over at Royal um, if people want to pop in there and, uh, we'll, I mean, we're not doing a big run on them, but, you know, depending on how things go out the gate, certainly looking forward to do more. I know many people have asked about the hats coming soon. In the meantime, uh, we still have the opportunity to get a hoodie or a t-shirt or a tank top like our boy Gitch is doing. Um, just got to get those out. So just go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash store, see what the options are. And as I said, waiting patiently, cannot wait to get those, uh, get those hats in. All right, Remo, let's get to, uh, let's get to the picks. You were over last night. I did get a win. I was right in and around uh, even. I think my winning ticket was 1940 and I put down 20. So it was one of those nights where it was a fun night at the track. Didn't really make up any ground, but didn't take any big L's. Um, I know you were pouring over the numbers and the lines as we talked to Zach Caleros early. Yes, I have been looking and I went over yesterday. So I'm in a bad mood, Huss. I'm not feeling great about my selections. Uh, at least, how, sorry, how I've done. I am, I doesn't, I'm still confident in my abilities. Believe in yourself, Remus. Believe in yourself. 
We're going to turn this bus around <laughs> one way or another. And I'm doing a four, Quinella. I was close. My boy Drizzy, who I picked to win yesterday, finished second. So it's not like my picks are uh, that that bad, but they just haven't won. Race four, three, four, Quinella. Eddie Forever, Gold Buyer. I'm on that one. Race five, an eight, three, Quinella. Valid Thor, Empirical Data. The data says to pick that horse. Uh, that's what, <laughs> what I'm reading. Uh, race six. Uh, another 8-5. I got Stone Cafe and Flash of Go- Glory. And Race 7. I, I Apparently, I like Horse 8 tonight. Uh, that seems like a, I'm not... When I see... I just picked three eights, you know, all in a row. It's, hmm. I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. But anyway, Cyclone Dan and Purely Given. So those are my... That's my four for Quinella. It's time to get back in the W. Nice, and I, and, I, and I like that you started with race four, went four, five, six, seven. This is sort of like betting the uh, the West Coast slate of hockey games. You know, you're kind I of got, get in, put the yeah. kid to bed, and watch the watch the later races. I have slow um, pitch uh, playoffs tonight, so oh uh, wow, I'll wow. come big home playoff game in the Jewish men's slow pitch league. Uh, That's right. Is this game number one? This is uh, we're in the wild card do or die elimination game. Uh, we're defending our our. You know, back-to-back titles, looking for a three-peat this year. Pressure. Didn't pressure expect to be on. in the wild card game, I bet. Uh, nah, we've kind of, you know, when, we, when we've won the regular season, it hasn't worked out well. So I think the last couple of years, we actually have had to ha- win these wild card uh, games to advance to the uh, best of three. So uh, we've been here before, so I'm not, I'm not too worried. <laughs> we've been here before, we're, I like it. We're, we're a team, Hus, that we kind of... Um, we like to cruise through the regular season and hit our, hit our stride in time for the playoffs. That's how we've yeah, done well, it the last couple. Hit it tonight. Hit it tonight. There's no tomorrow if you guys don't get the W. Um, yes. My picks, I'm going to kind of do the opposite of Remus. I'm going to start off with the first few races and, uh, who knows, hopefully you win a couple and maybe then sprinkle on the final few. Starting off with race number one, uh, we're taking, it's a short race. There's six horses and kind of going a little chalky, but trying to take the top two for a Quinella. We've got nothing but a blur is horse number two and Mr. Fallon, horse number four. So we'll go with the two for Quinella. Uh, we're going to put down a couple of triactor boxes. It's a $6 bet on num- race number two. We're going to go with Sea Myrtle, Valente, horse number three, and Catalina Dreamin, horse number five. I'm going to pop that in for a $6 triactor box. And we're going to do the same thing on race number three. With horse number two, Miss Imperial, horse three, DARPA, and horse number four, Cypress Point. Um, going into number four, we can both be winners. I know you had Gold Buyer in on your parlay, Remus. I'm taking Gold Buyer to win. It's horse number four. And because you always got to bet Otani before, I'm going to take Otani. I'm going to bet Otani to show in race number oh, five. He, so, he scratched. Uh, whoa! Yeah, he's got scratched. There you go. Well, he's been scratched since I looked it up. I was doing it off the program. So uh, I will have to figure out something else, or maybe I'll just jack up those for one of those, uh, put another couple bucks on one of those first four bets. But uh, those are the selections for today. 
Again, the track is open. If you have your proof of vaccination, you can head down there with the family, hang out outside, get some food, put the toonie down on some tickets and enjoy the races. Um, and again, reservations are available at the Terrace Dining Room. Incredible food at Assiniboia Downs if you're looking to really make a night of it. Great thing to do as well. And if you're a VLT player, VLT is open 9 a.m. to 12.15 a.m. Uh, man, really, this has been an awesome show in the middle of the week. And I got to tell you, very much looking forward to tomorrow's program where we will debut. I hope to do this on the reg, depending on how much availability our guest has. Uh, but CFL fans will know the name Nick Kowalski. Very sharp young mind here in Winnipeg, doing some great work on the CFL. Was a former intern with us back at the old station. Uh, Nick has been killing it, and he killed it in week number one of the CFL. And uh, we're going to hopefully get some insight and some Nick's picks tomorrow, getting ready for week two in the Canadian Football League. He'll join us as well. Um, We'll also be talking to um, Matt Calvert, who uh, just hung it up after an incredible NHL career. So the Manitoba native is going to join us. We'll also have more on the Winnipeg Jets coming out of the Neil Peon contract signing and what that means for Andrew Kopp and the rest of this offseason. So it should be a big show. And then, of course, Friday, Bombers game day. We'll have tons on the blue and gold and the double blue. But um, as I've said a couple times, so excited to welcome Olympic gold medalist. God, that sounds awesome. Desiree Scott, Winnipeg's own, to the program on Friday. Uh, It's just getting better day by day, Remo. Can't wait for the next couple days heading into the game on Friday night. Yeah, very exciting stuff. We're going to head to CFL Week 2, so I want to hear what Nick has to say, and it'll be right in time before I have to lock my DraftKings picks. If you want to play CFL DraftKings, I know there's like four spots left in in our league. You and I are in it. we got to get our selections our selections in. Oh, um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, folks, if you haven't reserved a spot already in the contest, uh, we're at 36 out of 40. So it's going to fill quickly. Uh, maybe if you want to just drop that link in the uh, in the chat for people that are there. If not, um, if you are a DraftKings player and you're listening on the podcast, uh, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, just let us know your DraftKings handle and we'll get you an invite. Uh, But the bottom line is what you want to do on the reg is just go to our Winnipeg Sports Talk League and see the... I'm not sure why we don't are able to send out notifications like we used to before. It's very frustrating. But the good thing is we're working around it. We filled it in week number one. And it looks like we're going to fill it in week two even earlier than we did before. So who knows? If we keep having great turnouts, we may be able to expand it to 50 or more going forward. But it'll be a 40-person contest this week again. We are in. There's four spots left. Yeah. Hey, I want to give a shout out to uh, Levi and Chad Huss. I guess I had uh, Neil Pionk's new deal in the title. He says, uh, Neil Pionk is a boss. His dad runs a great hockey camp for the last 20 years in Hermantown. Real nice family. And I don't know, Huss, if you've seen like the Pionk boys uh, commercial (laughs) that's been floating around. And he also adds... Uh, Pionk boys are all good hockey players. Neil's brother in high school could play at least D1 someday. So could he be another another Minnesota Jets uh, selection? Uh, that's something uh, something to watch to watch for. But yeah, if you missed the Pionk conversation or tune in, go back to the first like 50 minutes of the show where we basically it was all Jets for the first 50 uh, 50 minutes, and that yeah, was no. uh, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't yeah that was awesome uh, to hear. So. Uh, yeah, we hear 
hear everyone uh, saying in Chevy, we we trust. So great to see. Oh yeah, no. And someone's uh, BA split brings up the, the Kevin Weeks video. Do we want to uh, play okay. this? Uh, well, you know what? Don't play it because uh, I yeah. we've had a great show. I don't want to get a DCMA because uh, I'm not sure about the copyright for that. But I will direct people. If you just go to my Twitter at Hustlerama, it was a clip. <laughs> God, this is hilarious. A clip of Kevin Weeks on Spit and Chicklets along with Biz and Ryan Whitney. And he's telling the story of his of his first ever playoff start for the Canes when Paul Maurice was the coach. And um, listen, Maurice is the best with the media, but I think we got a little bit of a, a little bit of a window into why he has been so popular with his players and the sort of guy that he is. And Weeka's impression of Paul Maurice telling him that he is going to be the, be the starter in the playoffs is absolutely hysterical uh any jet fan needs to watch it so there you have it it's a spit and chicklets if you want to just go to twitter go to my feed it is there and uh if you're like me you'll probably watch it over and over and over again but i mean weeks has turned into one of the great analysts and personalities in hockey media had a great career and um it was just hilarious to hear him perfectly do his Maurice impersonation that got everybody laughing. It's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time from a Jets perspective. Yeah, you know, we like to do Paul Maurice impressions once in a while. I'll throw it, yeah, it's a real uh, grinder of a game. And uh, <laughs> a nice to hear that Kevin Weeks impression I felt like was similar to mine. So I'm on <laughs> on the right on the right track. So that was, I'll check out Hustler's Twitter uh, for that one. That was a good video. It was, uh, yeah. anyways, it was so, so funny. And yeah. as I said, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of blue language. It's obviously we don't get in the media, but um, that is, I think, sort of, it's a nice window into how Maurice handles his players and, you know, what he said. So, anyways, it needs to be heard for yourself. Head over and, uh, you know, you can share that. Send it over to your friends if they haven't seen it. All right. This is great. Uh, my schedule, I got to run right now. The schedule's a yeah. little bit different. I'm going to be on uh, today and tomorrow in Calgary with the guys on sports at 960. So if you still want more, I'll be jumping on about half an hour with the guys. And I think John Hodge is going to join us. So we will have some more CFL talk a little yeah. bit later on on the program there. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, back tomorrow on 960 again. And then Friday, I won't do the regular shift with the guys in Calgary because we'll be getting ready to head down to IG Field and see the Bombers yeah. attempt to go 2-0 and against the Toronto Argonauts. And, of course, the highlight of my entire week, Desiree Scott joining us live on Winnipeg Sports Talk on Friday afternoon. Yeah, before we go, I'll give a shout-out. I watched a documentary on Netflix yesterday. It just came out on the Malice in the Palace. You remember the Pacers brawl with the fans. Some great um, in-depth interviews with Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, the artist formerly known as Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, and uh, Steven Jackson, and Reggie Miller as well, just talking about that team, what they were building towards, and how it all fell apart. And also, I think, puts a lot of um, blame on the fans and gives some light onto um, athletes' uh, mental issues when it comes to uh, Ron Artest, what he was going through at that time. So it was about an hour watch. Highly recommend. I really enjoyed it. I remember when that, when that happened. So oh, I wanted to give was- a shout-out to that. That was absolutely, um, I mean, it's a watershed moment. I mean, it changed a lot of things in the NBA. Um, but, you know, looking back at it now, I mean, this was more than just a bunch of thugs. I mean, yeah. this was really was a two-way street. And it was interesting. I saw that piece that you uh, that you tweeted out yesterday and 
really much looking forward to that. Speaking of documentaries, mm-hmm. I'm sure all the Leaf fans in the house can't wait to see the uh, this Leafs yeah. documentary that's coming out shortly. I don't know much about it other than it is going to be released. Uh, all five or six episodes, however many is, are going to be open at the same time. So you can, you know, grind away through the whole thing. Um, and when the Leafs did come here, I knew they did have camera crews. So I'm pretty sure this sort of followed them throughout the year. Cannot wait to see the episode of game five, six, and seven of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and how this one ends. Yeah, it's a documentary that follows the Leafs last season. It's on Amazon Prime. And if you're not Prime, I'm going to recommend, you know, doing I am Prime. I don't have any of these other streaming services. I do have Amazon Prime. So So, finally, I can watch one of these things. Great. It's for last season, but it starts when this season begins. So I wonder, like, how relevant... It's going to be, but if it's about the Leafs, I'm sure people are going to watch it no matter what. But it seems odd to me to to release it right before this season starts, and it's all last season. I guess there's issues with editing, and it takes time. I don't know if it's going to be like have that impact if it's not time. Oh, so this is the bubble year? This is, sorry, the season that just played, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, season like just the, the Canadian yeah, yeah. division. Yeah, yeah, the Canadian division. Yeah. So, exactly. I mean, we'll see. I think we'll see. I, people are going to be talking about it. I don't know if we'll have any, like, Randy Carlisle toaster moments again, if you remember that one from uh, <laughs> Road to the Winter Classic. But I, it's called, yeah, it's called All for Nothing. So I don't know if that's, like, a thing, but... Um, all for Nothing? That's what it's called? Or, sorry, All or Nothing. All or Nothing. <laughs> All, all or nothing. I think you, I think a more appropriate title is All for Nothing. No. The story of the Toronto was, Maple Leafs 2021 all, season. All, all or, or nothing. So, that was uh, one of the great, that was great Freudian slips we've ever had on the program. Nicely done, Reem, even if you didn't intend to do it. And Greg at Royal, oh, Malice in the Palace on a Grey Cup weekend. The Ottawa one. We'll take Greg's word for it, a Grey Cup veteran of many, many years. Um, All right, everyone, it's been a great show today. Big thank you to Murata Tesh for joining us, Bomber quarterback Zach Caleros, Asa Raymond, of course, Michael Remus, and a great crowd with us today in the middle of summer here live on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks so much for being with us. If you can, give us a five-star rating and a little review. certainly helps us grow the channel. If you haven't already, folks, on your way out, hit the thumbs up button and make sure you have subscribed. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest on the Jets, the Bombers-Argos matchup, Matt Calvert joining the program, some sharp picks from CFL from our pal Nick Kowalski, and Friday, don't you dare miss Desiree Scott with us live here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Cannot wait for that. All right, everyone, I got to run. Thanks so much for being with us. We will talk to you tomorrow on our way out. Thank you to Royal Sports, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, our friends over at Not Auto Corp, and Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, live racing tonight, don't forget, and Breezy Bend Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Still time to get on that Lock Shop Boosted Odds partner parlay at CoolBet.com. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on YouTube, and later on in the afternoon in your podcast feed on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, everyone. Oh, my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.